Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member or members of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm your host, Jim Saunders, and joining the podcast are AJ Rawit and Levi Bond. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah, yeah. You guys have both been on the podcast before. And uh, today, it's going to be a little bit different, because... Usually, the way we structure these podcasts are around a set of movies. I mean, this is about a set of movies, but Mm -hmm. about a movie, and then that's the focus of our discussion. But this is going to be a lot more freeform and a lot more expansive because we're going to be talking about the entire franchise of Star Wars. And now that Rise of Skywalker is a couple months beyond the horizon, Mm -hmm. uh, we decided we're going to have this little retrospective where we bring everything into focus, see how it is cohesively and also just the impact that it had on us and it had on pop culture and I think this is going to be a fun discussion because I think we're all pretty big Star Wars fans yeah yeah, I think so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, given I'm a little unfamiliar with like some of the shows like I haven't seen a, a bunch of I mean I've seen like a, a decent portion of um, the, the Clone Wars TV show mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys um, but I haven't seen like any any other of the extraneous like Star Wars media like I haven't read any of the novels but like yeah those are not what do you call it Conan, uh, Conan yeah, like the, uh, canon they're not canon oh yeah so, I think they yeah they are canon no EU that's expanded universe everything that uh, came out since Disney's purchase of Lucasfilm Lucasfilm that is canon oh, but everything yeah some before, of the comics are canon yeah I heard that like a lot of stuff before then yes yeah, everything before 2012 yeah. is not, not canon yeah which yeah. I am fine with. Ninety percent of it was. I haven't read any of them. Uh, like ridiculous. <laughs> have you have not watched Mandalorian? No, I don't have a Disney Plus account. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. Have you guys both watched it? Yes, yeah. I. I just have. took one one to the free trial. They have a free trial, so I took that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I I watched Mand- I've seen Mandalorian. Probably two or three times all the way through. <laughs> wow. I would watch, but not because I've sat through it all, just because there's a week between each episode, and the episodes mm-hmm. are so short, and so I would watch yeah. the episode more than once mm-hmm. in a week before the next one would come out, just because that's how much I like them. Sure, so, exactly. Game of Thrones. So, yeah. So, I've seen um, I've seen Mandalorian. Yes, I greatly enjoyed it. Yeah. But that, for example, that is canon. Yeah, that's So, canon. there's a lot of novels. Yeah. There's a lot of... So, let, you know, let's just start. So, my... The way I'm... This is going to be about the movies... But I've read every novel that's come out, every comic book, seen every show. I've been to Star Wars Celebration. I'm, I'm a super fan. So I have a different perspective of these movies. But for the purpose of this podcast, I want to look at them as just movies, as just movie-going experiences. Because I really do love every single one of these movies and something about every single one of them. But for the purpose of a ranking, uh, putting them in order critically... I won't be taking into account any of that extraneous stuff just for this. Because I am a super big Star Wars fan, but these are movies, and a lot of people see them as just movies, just something to go do. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm going to look at them. But in terms of how I got into Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars animated film in 2008 was the first movie I saw in theaters, Star Wars movie. So I was a big Clone Wars kid. Was that when that was coming out? Uh, That's how I got into it. Like, obviously, I watched the original trilogy as a kid, but it never really... I didn't really get into the original trilogy until The Force Awakens came out. That's when I really reevaluated 
my opinions of Star Wars because it was back. It was back. It was relevant because there was a you know a dead period for mm-hmm. movies for ten years. There were no movies between Revenge of the Sith and uh, The Force Awakens. Right. So when The Force Awakens came out, I looked back at all of it and I was like, okay, this is this is something I really like. This really did have an impact on me. Just retrospectively, I saw how much Star Wars meant to me. Um, and then in the summer between. Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker, or the first summer rather, I guess it was between Solo, because that movie is, was so divisive and there was so much going on in the Star Wars conversation, that's when I decided to get into all of the extra stuff in terms mm-hmm. of books and comics. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I've been a Star Wars fan pretty much my whole life. I've been playing with the toys mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember. Yeah, Star Wars has always had a place in my life and I just want to clarify that this I'm, I do love these movies, but when I'm speaking ill of them, it's just from this critical standpoint. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to go next? I mean, it's going to be hard for me to remove the bias that I have with Star Wars. I mean, I'm like a fan, like just like you, but looking at it critically, it's kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I also grew up with them, and that's kind of the one I love. I got started in like middle school, I believe, when I first saw, I saw episode four, five, six in the beginning then like in high school I got to one, two, three, and I met a few friends and we every year we go to the new ones like um, from The Force Awakens and Rogue One and Last Jedi we watched three of them together so yeah that's how we formed a group gotcha cool uh, have you like played any of the games or any of the novels or any of that other stuff or? I've played Lego Star Wars a lot <laughs> Lego Star Wars that's, is a, that's where it's at it is a classic <laughs> yes it is a classic um, I didn't get the new Battlefront, but, yeah. Oh, I, I played Star Wars Battlefront. Like, mm-hmm. the the first one, not two. Yeah. I, I, like, pre-ordered it. That was when, like, it was around, it came out around, like, the height of the... It was, yeah, November of, the, of 2015, so it was right yeah. before The Force Awakens came out, so that was, like, Star Wars was back. Yeah. That was, like, everything was, like, yeah. Yeah, no, that was one of the first games that, one of the only games that I actually, like, pre-ordered. Because <laughs> I don't play, I mean, I, I haven't played a lot of games recently, especially, but, like, uh, back in the day when I was a big gamer or whatever <laughs> like I was super super excited for that and that was around the time that I actually started to get into Star Wars in general because back in 2015 I think it was early 2015 is when I finally watched I watched the prequels first actually I watched really? 1, 2, 3 and then I watched 4, 5, 6 oh, in like January, wow. February 2015 um, because it was like I knew that Force Awakens was going to come out and it was going to be this big cultural phenomenon because everyone was super, super excited about it. And I was like, well, I don't have that attachment to <laughs> the series, so like, I want to see what all the hype's about. And so I watched the prequels and I was like, okay, whatever. And then I watched, the, I watched 4, 5, and 6 and I was like, okay, these are, these are really something special. <laughs> I, I get what this is about now. Um, and then I became a, a big fan, especially of Empire, which I guess is unanimously like the most acclaimed or whatever. Yeah. But it, it also was my, my personal favorite, too, um, mm-hmm. for a long time. And so that I watched all those, and then Force Awakens came out. I loved it. I saw it, like, three times in theaters. I mm-hmm. loved it each time. I think I still think that movie is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably the best J.J. Abrams movie I've seen, too. Mm. My yeah. opinion has faded on Force Awakens. Yeah, I was really wrapped up in the hype when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also saw it three times in theaters, not... And I think I liked it a little bit less every time. I still love the movie, like I said. I love all these movies. But in terms of... I started to 
I went down on it, but then I, I came back. Right before The Rise of Skyward came out, I watched all 11 movies, or I guess 10 movies, before The Rise of Skyward came out. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm better on The Force Awakens now, but before, in like 2016, 2017, before The Last Jedi came out, I sort of felt it was just a retread. I, felt, I sort of felt it was just the same again. I don't feel that way now. Uh, I feel that J.J. added enough of his own flair. I thought mm-hmm. this, like, the story brought enough of its own aspects for it to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. But in those initial months in 2016 coming down off of The Force Awakens, I was sort of just like, man, was that really just a new hope again? But then I, you know, I've, I've, I've come back to it. Because I was, I was 14 at the time. I wasn't... I was still sort of discovering what I felt about Star Wars, especially mm-hmm. in terms of the original trilogy and how things relate to the original trilogy. Because I did grow up on those movies. I it's very interesting that you guys both seemingly got into Star Wars a lot later. Yeah. Like I was probably two or three when I watched The New mm-hmm. Hope for the first mm-hmm. time, and then watching Empire, and then watching Return of the Jedi, and then the prequels were coming out. Like I, I went out, and what I did was like you got the prequels on VHS mm-hmm. or on the DVD at the time. By the time I rented the mm-hmm. Sith. So it was like, I was right there in 2005, like, the all the Hayden Christensen cutouts in the Walmart, I, remember, I, I still remember that, and I was like, give me Star Wars and the action figures, and, but then, The Force Awakens, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the rankings, but I think it's really cool that you guys are both later mm-hmm. in, like, where you come in from Star Wars, I think that's really cool. So your parents were fans of Star Wars? Uh, yeah, I mean, both of my, my dad saw it in 77 when it came out. I wouldn't say my dad is a big... Star Wars fan, he, he, he likes movies, but he's, mm-hmm. he just watches movies as movies. That's what they are to him. My mom, on the other hand, also, she didn't see it in 77. Or she Actually, no, she did. She was five at the time. But she is a big Star Wars fan. She reads the books just like me. Oh, wow. And she's, yeah, I've, she's seen all of Clone Wars. She's seen all of Rebels. Mm-hmm. She's a big Star Wars fan. I don't know. <laughs> I, to this day, I don't know if it's just because I am and she likes making me happy. Or she, I, I like to think that she actually is a huge Star Wars fan. But mm-hmm. that's besides mm-hmm. the point. So should we do... In my family, there is a lot of Star Wars going on. My brother, to a lesser extent, he liked the action figures. He's, he likes the movies, but he's not, like, really into it like her and I are. But that's... So, yeah. So, I was being shown and fed all this stuff. And then her and I went to Star Wars Celebration together last April, which oh, wow. is the convention uh, run by Lucasfilm mm-hmm. of, you know, celebrating Star Wars. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I am really... I'm just super positive about these movies. Mm-hmm. But... I know that my mom saw Empire in theaters, or at least I, I, I was certain it was Empire because she describes the scene with Yoda <laughs> in a forest. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Take that, that that that's Empire. But she never was a big fan of those movies, and so she never really showed them to me. Uh, a lot of the movies she showed me were like a lot of John Hughes movies, like Sixteen Candles and Bre- Breakfast Club and stuff that Same, like, yeah. she actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Not really like all the sci-fi stuff. So like. Growing up, I wasn't until, like, I was, like, 11, 12, 13, where I discovered, like, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and stuff that I became mm-hmm. huge fans of, and then it was a few years later that I was, like, oh, Star Wars, yeah. what about the Star Wars thing? So, yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting, yeah. Yeah. Is it similar with you, AJ? Um, I know my dad watched Empire Strike Back when it came out in 1980, right? I believe so. Yeah, 1980. Yeah. yeah. And I guess he was quite surprised because there are so many special effects, and that did 1980, it was, like, there were, like, no special effects in movies. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting for him. Um... My cousin is a big fan of Star Wars. I'm very really close to him, and I guess he has a big influence on me. Mm-hmm. And, like, we would, like, fight with our lightsabers and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of lightsabers in the yard, or just pretending with, like, sticks with your with friends. It's like, it was always a big part. And especially, it was all of our family friends, too. Like, uh, like uncles, you know? You know how you have, like, yeah. an uncle who's not really part of your family, <laughs> but, like, they're... 
they're just like a family friend. So when you're a kid, you just call them uncle, whatever, because right. you don't really know. Yeah. They were all into Star Wars, so they were mm-hmm. giving me the toys. They were mm-hmm. just everyone. I, I don't know, man. It, I think it was just the perfect storm for me. It's like everyone mm-hmm. in their circle. Like my fifth birthday party, it was Star Wars themed, and that was. It's, it's, it was always all my memories are like there was something Star Wars sometime, mm-hmm. but uh, AJ mentioned that. Your dad was super was like super impressed by the like the visual yeah. effects. That's one of the only ones of the original trilogy that's like basically untouched by the uh, the Lucas. I think it's made changes. better by the Lucas changes. Yeah, it's oh, the only okay. one that actually really benefits from the changes. Like, mm-hmm. that one scene of uh, the Emperor talking to Darth Vader, and they replaced it with Ian McDermott. Right, and it used to be just like this horrific puppet thing. <laughs> it just didn't look good. Yeah. Uh, so that like it is the I think the one that benefited. From, that's the only one I think that really benefited from the Lucas changes. Mm, could be. Yeah. Also, I think there's like a few more landscape shots of like the, mm. the, the sky city. Yeah, um, Cloud City has yeah. windows and you can sort of see out and it looks a lot better. Right. But the original Cloud City was a lot of, it was just like white, just white hallways, but the special edition adds windows and mm. you can see out. So you both have seen like the original, original trilogy? Yes, I have yeah. the VHS okay. tapes. Okay, so I yeah. think I saw them as a kid, but the ones that I really know in my memory are the special editions, mm-hmm. which is, because that's just, by the time of I was really watching movies, that was the only editions that were available. Mm-hmm. So I have seen the originals, and I do know what's changed, but the special editions, it's honestly, it's think, I think it's why I was less into the original trilogy, was because... I only ever experienced the special editions, and I think special edition New Hope is nah. is not not nearly as good as the original, and that's the one that I knew for like ten years. Mm, right. like, that's all I knew. So like mm-hmm. for a long time, New Hope was like low down on my list. I was like, mm. I don't really like that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, yeah no, there's especially uh, yeah there's like especially around when they're like at Moss Eisley and and oh, dude, some it's, other it's scenes. Ridiculous. There's like it's like a lot of these are so unnecessary and it's like why did you feel to put this giant creature that like just in walks the in the front screen. of the frame I hate that it still bothers like, me this that, day. that is just so busy and so <laughs> dense and it's like oh, why why did you think that yeah. was a good idea <laughs> and they left the um the big bounty hunter slug guy. Why oh, am I forgetting his name? Yeah, they the job the job scene. scene they left cool. out for a reason in the original because it was a man. It was an Irish guy, right? And, they were, and it was a deleted scene. They're like, "No, nah, we'll save Jabba for later, and we'll do this cool slug thing." But mm-hmm. that that CGI is horrific, okay. and the editing of Han Solo going <laughs> over his tail is so bad. And yeah, yeah. Boba Fett is there, and it's like, Oof, what is going on? It's, it's yeah, just, and then the whole Han shot. Or Han didn't shoot first, actually. Well, yeah. now, now we don't different. know. Now it's different. I don't know. It's changed. Yeah. On, Di- on Disney+, Plus. so George Lucas was working on a 4K version mm-hmm. for... They were going to re-release them in theaters again in, like, 2012. But mm-hmm. Disney bought Lucasfilm, so those sort of got shelved. Mm-hmm. But when Disney+, Plus came out, the up 4K versions, that's what's on Disney+. Plus. And there's actually another change to A New Hope. I don't know if you know about this, but it's where Greedo... He he says he says right right before he shoots Han he says McClunky and then they both shoot at the same time. It's the most ridiculous, oh, yeah, outrageous thing. It's like he changed it again. <laughs> it's so funny. George George Lucas was never good at that. He can never be content with with, just, with like, his work, having something yeah. out there and it being finalized. And that that's a that's a, I think that's something that's common between all of his movies except for maybe like American Graffiti because yeah. what else would he change about that movie uh, there's no effects yeah no, I think we should get into our rankings uh, uh, sorry to delay that so 
for the sake of you know time and also just because we're considering all the movies and not necessarily all the TV shows or uh, the animated stuff, we're talking about one through nine and then additionally Solo and Rogue One, so 11 films in total. Um, so we're going to go down from our 11 to our one. Each right. of us are going to go around and say that and talk a little bit about it. So I guess I'll start out. Uh, my 11 <laughs> on my list is... Star Wars is the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really know what I have to say about this one. I just, I think that the thing that bothers me the most about it is, again, I, I'm, I'm like in a, a, a little similar of a situation as Levi is because I love, for the most part, I love a, a huge portion of these movies. <laughs> this is the one I feel like I can never go back to because I feel like it's so creatively devoid. Like, this is the most a Star Wars film has felt like a product. They obviously all are because they're all big blockbuster films made to you know, sell toys and stuff, but this is the most that it's really felt like they truly did not have a vision for this movie at all. It feels like... it's The joke has gone around that it feels like the Reddit wrote this movie, but it's so true. It feels like J.J. Uh, Abrams is like, okay, how can we appease the most amount of people and, and piss the least people off? And so they made so many choices that did not follow through with the previous movie, uh, which, you know, even though people, a lot of people didn't like Last Jedi, it's like, okay, well, if you would have had enough integrity, it could have been carried through and it could have made Last Jedi better in retrospect. But I think, ironically enough, it makes Last Jedi seem a lot better in retrospect because I, I've seen a bunch of, of articles that are like, yeah, we need to we need to respect The Last Jedi now in comparison to this. How many times have you seen it? Uh, just once. Just once? Just once. And it was like, I thought the first hour was so... Rushed. Clusterfuck. Yeah. Just like, I don't know what the hell is happening. Like, throwing everything at you. It is so I, rapidly paced. I felt that way the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I saw it just this weekend for this podcast. I saw it again for the fifth time. Wow. Yeah. You're still playing it? That's nice. Yeah, they're still... Yeah, and... Uh, well, I, I saw it, like, three times like in, in that first, like, hectic week mm-hmm. and a half where it's like, the movie is here. So I saw it, like, you know, once on opening night, once with friends, and once with my family. Mm-hmm. And then over the next two months, I, I saw it once in January, once in this month. But I definitely had a similar feeling. Um, in terms of the pacing, especially, I felt it was really rushed, but... After the second and third viewing, I don't I don't feel that way anymore. But can, you know, continue. I just I just think it's super interesting that you think it's the most product like. Because mm. I feel the opposite. It's not in the, it's not even on it's not in my, in the top of my list. But I think it's the most pulpy and the most Star Warsy Star Wars movie out of all of them. It's like the most just like refined. See, just Star that's Wars. that's how I feel about Force Awakens. Mm. I think Force Awakens is like the most refined like this is what Star Wars is mm. and it's done oh, yeah. like very meticulously well like I think the edit people don't talk enough about like the editing in Star Wars in particular and I feel like that's like the best edited movie edited I can see that the whole series but for in terms of thinking what's the most product like I think The Force Awakens is the most product like it just in just in terms of that in that one regard, if you're how you if you view a movie like it's a product, I think The Force Awakens is the most. It, that is the one that I think pleased the most amount of people. I mean, it's sure one of yeah. the most successful movies of all time. No, like, but that was like that was a like money maker right there. No, I I 
I think Force Awakens does a really good job at like still being creative and doing enough stuff with it and being made with a lot of heart and a lot of soul. Um, oh, I think so too. I mean, I don't think any of these movies are products. I think they're yeah. all made. I'd like to think that they're all made with a lot of passion and like so much goes into making these movies and making right. them look the way they are. But it's just that if, if there's anyone that's like feels the most put together by like a board of people, I think it's The Force Awakens. I get that, but I feel like a lot of that is also just a byproduct of it, of, of, of its existence, Yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, this was like, seeing Rise of Skywalker, I was like, this feels the most like cynical. Like they were just like throwing things out there and be like, "Hey, are you happy now? Like, are you happy now?" They like they sidelined Rose. Are you happy now? Like they made uh, they made Ray of Palpatine. Are you happy now? Like that to satisfy people's fan theories or whatever. When it doesn't really add anything that exciting or no, it's totally. <laughs> it also totally is like yeah. because uh, spoiler alert: the Last Jedi is my favorite of the series, and it feels like it, it retcons. And just like puts a giant middle finger to everything Ryan yeah, Johnson see, up with that movie, yeah. and that really irritates me. Because it's the, just like JJ yeah. Abrams didn't have the balls to follow through with anything that he did. See, there's the so, difference. There's the difference because I think it perfectly continues what the last. Jedi I said. don't see really? that at all. Yeah. Huh. And then, uh, yeah. No, but like I, I don't understand because it's like it, I feel like in Last Jedi it established like oh you know anyone could be a Jedi yeah. right? It's just a nobody. And like, I think those those principles continue. I don't understand that though, because at the end she's defined by a Skywalker. Yeah. No, but she's still making her own way. She's still she. Well, I think we should talk about. That. I was wanting to get to the ranking, but I think no. I think that she is still she still has that agency. It's still her story. She's she's not letting anybody tell her who she is. The whole sequel trilogy, her arc is figuring out who she is as a person, and that is still there. She still is Ray from nowhere. She still is from Jakku. She's nothing like. The Emperor is just manipulating. Like, he, she may be a Palpatine, but even when when the plans are changing against him, he still calls her, you're just a scavenger from nowhere. It, it, it means nothing. She's just who she is still, and she is able to choose her own destiny. I think that's still there. Sure. I think sure. that's... I, I just think, think that, that moment... I just but, think... Um, like, the, the good team of Last Jedi was to leave the past and bury it kind of thing. It wasn't. I'm sorry. I, I, I just completely disagree with that. That was I mean, not... That, the really opposite important. message. The opposite message. That was the message of the villain of the film, Kylo True. Ren. No, I, I rewatched this recently, and I hundred percent like that. That is yeah. that is the message of the villain. That is Ryan Johnson is saying no. We need to. It just it's just like um, it's just like an Empire Strikes Back. It's like the Jedi were. This is something that's great in the prequels. Like the Jedi were this dogmatic organization, and Luke is sort of feeling again the pressures of you know what well, you know we got because he is. He is not a typical Jedi in the original trilogy. You know, he has yeah. attachments. He uses those attachments for good. Like he's showing, he shows what a Jedi can be. Like they can have feelings. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that is what a Jedi can be. That you can use all of those emotions for good because those restrictions are what made Anakin Darth Vader. Like that was a, the problem of the Jedi. Right. He he changed that. But then when he failed Kylo, you know, he he went back. Mm-hmm. But and he was scared. He was fear, just like he says in the Rise of Skywalker. It was fear that kept me there. But by the end of The Last Jedi, Luke is back to being his original trilogy self, and he's out there, and he saves the Resistance, and he gives hope again to the galaxy. Like, and he says, even says in the end, I will not be The Last Jedi. So I think yeah. the, the message of let the past die, I don't think that's it at all. I think by the end, it's, you know, we got to keep going with the Jedi. We won't let the Jedi die. 
And while there are interesting points when Luke is talking about the flaws of the Jedi that are correct, it's, it's Ray that goes, yes, but, and, and that, that but is where Ryan Johnson leaves it. And that's where you, you continue to go with the normal Star Wars, or not the normal, but sort of the status quo Star Wars, or he just found a new way to look at the classic Star Wars formula, but still put across the same themes. And that's where I think J.J. picks up those themes and really just goes with all the cool stuff that Ryan set up in the last day, like the Force Bond and just all of the dynamics between Rey and Kylo. I think that was there in The Last Jedi, and I think that has continued. Because I think by far a pretty wide shared opinion is that Kylo Ren and just Adam Driver's performance as Kylo Ren is like probably the best in the sequel trilogy. He yeah. definitely, he like, yeah. he is the, his relationship with Rey, they are the two driving forces. It's True. certainly more character driven than the other trilogies. But their character arcs, I think, are continued through the rise of Skywalker, at least for me. Like, I, I see the through line. Because people forget that it is when people got mad that uh, Ryan Johnson sort of isolated Luke, it was J.J. Abrams who put Luke on that island, you know? It was J.J. It was Abrams who set up those threads of Luke is gone, he's isolated, you know, he, he's done these things, Kylo Ren is this, you know? I think J.J. set up those themes that Ryan accurately continued and then JJ finished what he started I, I I see the through line for all of it but that's just for me of this new trilogy so I have those movies a little bit higher but I see your point if you really because I can see how one would think but I just think it's a mis- I think it's a misinterpretation fair enough um, like you mentioned JJ Abrams setting a bloke I think he set a bloke like to be like Yoda like he's an isolation but he's not like hopeless kind of stuff mm. uh, but I guess it's fair to be Ryan uh, it's fair for Ryan to do his own interpretation for the movie yeah cause like, for me it was like J.J. Abrams put Luke Luke hid himself away yeah you know this, the whole movie uh, Force Awakens getting the map to Luke Skywalker cause he's hidden himself away you know he, he did that for a reason you don't just do that like he must something horrible must have happened and we see what happened yeah. in The Last Jedi but I thought that was a total natural <laughs> continuation and one point that um, it, that relates to the Rise of Skywalker and the Last Jedi is when Luke throws that lightsaber away. A lot of people thought it was a joke, but I've listened to the director's commentary of the Last Jedi. It's not intended as a joke. It's Luke like he's rejecting the past. It's it, the way he did it. Maybe throwing it over the shoulder mm-hmm. seems a little jokey, mm-hmm. but then when he catches it again in um, in the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, this is just a fuck you to Ryan Johnson. This is just once again, this is showing. It's like direct things, but. That's Luke. Luke was criticizing him, his own actions in the end of The Last Jedi, and he continues to say, no, I was wrong, just like he did. Like, he showed in The Last Jedi. He came around to being who he was, and in The Rise of Skywalker, he tells Rey that that was wrong, just like Ryan Johnson said that was wrong. So I think that is... I think there's a through line there for... Especially Luke, because Luke is the, the point of the sequel trilogy that has caused the most disagreement. Because I think Luke, Luke's treatment in The Last Jedi is what caused a lot of people to not like it, Luke is, like, my favorite part of that movie and my favorite part of the sequel trilogy. Okay. It will require for me a, a rewatch of Rise of Skywalker, but it did... I, no, again, just, just to reiterate, like, for me, personally, a lot of it bit, felt like a big fuck you to, to mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson yeah. in The Last yeah. Jedi. Uh, I'm just going to be frank with that. And I feel like the movie, just as a film, I think the, eb- the ebbs and flows of that movie did not make me ever want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't... I really didn't see, uh, listen my in my interpretation of it. I really didn't see the ending as Ray having like 
I guess she does have her own agency, but I feel like that line could have easily been changed to I'm just like like I'm just Ray. I, mm-hmm. I don't have to be defined by anything else. And I get that it's her choice. It's her. It's her. She has a sense of agency, but it just doesn't feel like a a good cap off to the to her story, in mm-hmm. my opinion. See, on that point, I think it's like the ultimate completion of the nine the nine movie arc of if Palpatine is this villain the whole time the ultimate way to destroy his legacy is his only living heir he's destroyed the Skywalkers and his only living heir takes the Skywalker name ending the ending Palpatine once and for all like he is now gone from the galaxy it doesn't matter Rey is not a Palpatine she's not gonna let him dictate what she does and she's taking the name of the two people who really mentored her like, that they are what she represents, not what he represents. So even if she is a Palpatine by blood, she's a Skywalker by action. Mm. And I think that's, like, the ultimate completion of this narrative of if Palpatine is the villain, if, he, if he's the evil, if he's the bad guy through all nine movies, this that's, like, the ultimate way to defeat him. Like, he's now gone for good. Sure, but I also think that that could have easily had the same outcome if she didn't take that name, Skywalker. Mm. Like, yeah. either way... Like, she wouldn't be defined by Palpatine even if she is yep, a Palpatine. So, I mean, and I think that... But it is the Skywalker the, saga. You know, it, I think for me it is... I mean, I, I suppose, but I feel like with The Last Jedi, it, it so radically changes up a lot of what the, traject- the trajectory of mm-hmm. the series, the whole nine-movie series, is. And I wanted it to keep going in that direction, and it feels like it just ended up back at the beginning. Ryan Johnson did something really, really creative with it, and then we're just back at... Well, is familiar territory. Well, I see what you're saying, but I think he he deliberately because Ryan Johnson is a very unique filmmaker, and he was able to he took his own take on Star Wars, but 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 kept it back to where it was. I think I think by the end of the Last Jedi, you're back to where it started. He just took you on this really cool, interesting new journey. He was able to do his own thing, put his own spin on it. So you still got that Ryan Johnson flair. It's similar to the last episode of The Mandalorian, yeah. where that's what was directed by Taika Waititi. Waititi yeah, and it's, it, it feels there are like certain Taika things, but it's not a Taika Waititi movie. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not forty or fifty minutes of just Taika Waititi. <laughs> just like I think The Last Jedi has Ryan Johnson flair to it, mm-hmm. but he's able to bring it back to what Star Wars is all about. At least, at least that's the way I see the movie, and I think that's why I love no, I The see Last that Jedi too. so much. Is it is new? That's why it, it is. It, yeah. I'll, I'll spoil it. It is my number one on this list because it shows it's such a new take, but it still is the same themes and still gets back to that same place. I no, I agree with that too, but like I think that just to get back on it feeling so corporate, it feels uh, I, I don't I mean you you brought up a really convincing argument because you've seen it five times. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can't really rebut that, but because uh, I had an issue with the pacing too. The pacing of the first like 50 minutes of that movie is it is fast. I mean, the whole movie is fast. Mm. It's the fastest Star Wars movie. That's why it's the most pulpy, it's like the fastest, most condensed Star Wars in any Star Wars. So I think if you go back and watch it, which I would really encourage you to do, it does really take the pace down a lot, and you're able to take in what's going on, I think, a lot better. But Mm. if you don't like it, then that's not going to change. Yeah. No, it did feel especially pulpy, but that wasn't what... For me, that wasn't what Star Wars was. Mm -hmm. For me, something for me, Star Wars. I feel like honestly, this might be a little bit of a hot take. It, it, not saying like Force Awakens is super high on my 
on my ranking. It is pretty high, but it's not like above the original trilogy or anything. But um, I feel like for me, like Force Awakens and Last Jedi was what Star Wars was for me, mm-hmm. especially leading up to Rise of Skywalker. And it feels like Rise of Skywalker is just like cheesy and pulpy in a way where they're just cramming everything in there uh, for no good reason. And hmm. okay, I yeah, feel that. No, I, just, I, I totally yeah. see that. But I mean, it, it relies a lot on nostalgia for fans to be to work. I mean, yeah, hey, look, this is the villain from the last six movies is back, kind of thing. Mm. Okay, well, I think we can get back to the Rise of Skywalker when we get to it in our own respective yeah, lists. Sure, in sure. Time, yeah, let's we get to, we let's, have gone through. Yeah, let's get to your number eleven. My number eleven would be. Attack on the Clo- Attack of the Clones. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a man movie for me. I'm like, cool, whatever. I thought that some of the writing was bad. Like, some. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, fair Interesting. enough. <laughs> like, sand is cold, it gets everywhere. <laughs> who writes, who speaks like that? Yeah, George Lucas famously is a wonderful storyteller and a horrible screenwriter. Yeah. Yep. Because it is important. I, I think my quote-unquote hot take, even though when you really look at it, I don't think it's that hot, is George Lucas is the worst Star Wars director. Because Richard mm-hmm. Richard Markrand and Irvin Kershner directed uh, <laughs> Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. respectively. And then it's J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams and Ryan Johnson. The only movies that George directed were the prequels and The New Hope. Statistically, <laughs> <And laughs> his success rate <laughs> is very low. His success yeah. rate <laughs> is not, not the same. So... George is great when he has a great team of people around him who are yeah. checking him and saying, no, maybe this. Like, that's how it was in the Clone Wars. Like, Clone Wars is famously, there's a lot of George's ideas in there, mm-hmm. but there's a team of showrunners led by uh, Dave Filoni to sort of filter out those ideas and make them palatable because a lot of the prequels are like, mm. woof. <laughs> a lot of the, pre- the people themes are very lofty and very interesting. They're but great. The themes are great, but there's yeah. the execution. <laughs> I mean... I've heard a lot about George Lucas saying the story is quite poetic, and I could see that in the prequels. The good thing I like about this movie is Yoda fighting uh, Count Dooku. <laughs> yeah, that is a uh, that is a good fight, and I think Anakin versus Count Dooku is I think the worst fight in mm. the in the entire uh, Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, I, saga. I would like the fight from uh, Episode Four, Obi Wan versus Darth Vader was like. Uh, yeah, but there's more. Like two old people. I think there's more emotional weight there. Yeah, more that's true. I agree yeah. with that. There is a shot. There's a. I swear to you, a shot in episode two of. It's just Christopher Lee and Hayden Christensen just sp- spinning the sword <laughs> in front of their face, and it's like a five second shot of. It's just nothingness. I'm like, yeah. how did this make it into the movie? <laughs> it is just. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, Attack of the Clones is. Like I said before, my list uh, changes around a lot. Mm. Attack of the Clones is often my last one, but it's not right now. But I see why. I can mm. easily see why it's there. Right now, it's... For me, uh, before Rise of Skywalker, Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace are often interchangeable for my, yeah, yeah, yeah. my like last two. Mm. Right now, I have Attack of the Clones as higher than Phantom Menace. As do I. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think because overall, I think that movie is a little bit more interesting and goes into, like actual consequential stuff yeah. that feeds into the themes that Lucas is trying to go for. I mean, also, um, just freaking everything on Geonosis is so badass. I mean, the, there's like 200 Jedi in an arena fighting, and it's like <laughs> there's this giant... It's a Star War. You really see a Star War right. in this movie, and like the last 45 minutes are really just action-packed mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Like that arena fight with... I mean, Ewan McGregor is just a joy in all the movies, but he's uh, especially uh, funny in that arena. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think when 
the most interesting s- stuff in that movie is when uh, Anakin's really toying with the dark side and he's starting to have a distrust oh, in yeah. this institution. And, and there are some great mm. shots of just like, Hayden Christensen did some great act. I mean, he gets a lot of, a lot of um, flack for those movies, mm. but there are some scenes. When he's on Tatooine and his mom is dying oh. and he's going to kill the sand people, there are yeah. some like just powerful shots and like, okay. Yeah. You know, they still let they get me to when I to this day. Everyone blames yeah, no, everyone blames um he and Christensen, but I entirely blame this on the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I don't think even Natalie Portman, who's proven to be a great actress, mm. it, it, she can't deliver a lot of those lines. <laughs> like they, no. give Daniel Day Lewis some of these lines and I don't think he'd be able to deliver yeah, them properly. Uh, so I, I think people uh it's really sad because I feel like it ruined Hayden Christensen's Hayden Christensen's reputation for yeah. a long, long time. You haven't, you don't see him in anything anymore. Even yeah. though I think he could be a really uh, established and and respected actor, if people gave him a chance. But now his reputation is shrouded in darkness because of these prequel movies. <laughs> yeah, true. So I think Attack of the Clones is a uh, that is commonly my my number eleven. But to my number eleven, I have Episode One, The Phantom Menace. So <laughs> the reason. Why they flip so much for me is that The Phantom Menace, I think, is the most movie out of the prequels. Like, they go to real sets. It was shot in real locations. Mm-hmm. Whereas in 2 and 3, there's a lot of green screen and a lot of blue screen. True. And there's, like, barely anything real going on. Whereas in Episode 1, there is still that sense of cool Star Wars locations that are real. And that pod race is great. But it's, like, the least consequential of the movies because yeah. I love Darth Maul now because of the Clone Wars and novels and mm-hmm. comics and his story that's been expanded upon but Darth Maul in just the Phantom Menace is like wow okay <laughs> he's there he has two lines and then he dies mm-hmm. or as, as a movie goer in 1999 and then he dies and mm-hmm. then that's it so there's, there's like nothing I don't know I just feel it's like I said, I love every one of these movies, mm-hmm. and there is stuff I love about this movie. I mean, Duel of the Fates is a great fight. That in the John Williams throughout all eleven movies yeah. is phenomenal. Even you could score that, nine and that's, he's like the only he's a good part in all of the nine movies that you've seen. That is the one scene after Factor in when I'm like ranking these. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, do I like it better than Attack of the Clones because of this scene? Because of yeah. this scene, yeah. Because that scene is great, but the movie as a whole. I just, I just don't know. It's you know, just really boring. It's just it's boring, yeah. It's just like, okay, yep. There Nothing are... really happens. There's a lot of trade negotiations mm-hmm. that, like, what five-year-old, which is basically the target audience for this movie, is going to be able to comprehend? Right. It's like, ah, yes, the trade blockade around Naboo and the Viceroy of the Federation wants higher tariffs. It's like, oh, God. Why? So Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, and then he's just thrown in there. He's yeah. just thrown in there. And I guess to be the the drunken master that ends up becoming a <laughs> Sith Lord. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. George, I love that footage, of, even though it's totally out of context, of uh, of George Lucas sitting in a theater with like three other people watching, and the credits start to roll. On I may have gone too far in a few places. I may have gone too far, but he just goes, George is uh, he's the key to all this. I know it's totally out of context, but it's just so funny. It's like, okay, George. He's a funnier character. He's a funnier character. Before. But also seeing, you know, I like it now because you get, and a lot of the ancillary material, you get a lot of Anakin's pain as being a slave and his pain on mm-hmm. Tatooine that he experienced, but you don't really get that in the movie. 
he's just like this happy-go-lucky kid. Yeah. It was just like hanging out. And he's like, this is going to be Darth Vader. Okay. <laughs> and it's like in 1999, I can't imagine how that must have been. Like this kid is supposed to be Darth Vader. Like what am I seeing? <laughs> yeah. I have a few things to add to your point. First of all, uh, this movie is on number 10, like one about the Attack on Clones. And the only reason why is due of the face for me. Yeah. For me, it's like one of the my favorite um, lightsaber fights in the series. And it's, in my opinion, it's the most choreo- uh, best choreographed fight. Because there are a lot of elements to the fight that I like. You said that uh, it's one of the most movie-like, whereas others are like CGI. I mean, you could if 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 it, if it were to be made right now, I would feel that way. But I would give I would give it credit for doing that because back in nineteen uh, back in early two thousand, they only used CGI for like one one character or like just one thing in the background. But they made an entire city of the CGI, and I would give credit for that. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a good point. Mm. But I just mean in that movie, they're still on sets that are. Yeah supported by CGI. Yeah. Like there are most shots are taking place on a sound stage on a set. Rather mm. as in episode two, mm. there is no more set. There's just yeah. green mats. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can really tell that it's like, ugh. There's this really really bad shot mm. of uh in episode two where Anakin picks up this pear that's CGI and he floats oh. it over to Padme <laughs> and she like forks it and like and then it goes <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't. This is not real at all. Like, yeah. ugh, why? Why not just use strings and a real pair? Like, there, there are ways that there's wire work that exists that you can just do this in real life. Right. So it's like sometimes mm-hmm. towards one a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, one and two episodes one and two are quite interchangeable. interchangeable at the bottom of our list at least. Yeah, I think it really is a shame because I feel like a lot of the themes that we talk about, it, the prequels being known for and being interesting about them are not they don't come into play in really until three. Hmm. They don't come into play till three, but one of the biggest messages of the prequels or takeaways from the prequels is about the Jedi and people didn't like the prequels initially because in the original trilogy the Jedi are like these, you know, hero knights. And that's all you know about them. Mm-hmm. But in the in the prequel trilogy, they're just like boring people and they don't feel anything and Keanu Mundi's like, ha you're thinking about your mother? Weak. <laughs> we can't train you. And Yoda's like an asshole. And Mace Windu is super like, Ugh. And the Jedi are not great. They're like, whoa, whoa well, Jedi aren't, aren't cool anymore? Yeah. So, but that's one of George's messages about, you know, dog, the dogmatic nature of the Jedi and how that wasn't. And like Luke says in The Last Jedi, they're hubris. They allowed Darth Sidious to rise right in front of them and then mm-hmm. take them all out because they, were, they weren't doing the right thing. They, right. they became generals in a war. They were mm-hmm. fighting and killing people. Like that's not what keepers of the peace do. They were totally corrupting their own message. Mm-hmm. But that theme, I think, is there through all of the prequels. That it really comes to a head in Revenge of the Sith with the fall of the Jedi. But just the message and the actions of the Jedi are a through line through the prequels. That I think is and Anakin's interaction with the Jedi mm-hmm. and how he becomes just disenfranchised with them and disillusioned with the whole thing. Sure, I, I think I think you get hints of it throughout the entire. Mm-hmm prequel trilogy but like it's 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 what episode three is is yes because it's him dealing with that distrust in the in the dogmatic institution of the jedi and him just saying like i i don't view like in his own words like in my point of view the jedi are evil Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. because they're not really doing the right thing in his eyes um but like there's stuff um like in episode one you get a little hints of like uh, Qui-Gon being really sleazy and doing the mind trick on Watto mm. to try to get him to like yeah, I know bet for Anakin yeah. yeah and like in episode two it's like you kind of get 
more hints of I don't know of the, of the Jedi just being like these boring guys that don't mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah, I think Qui Gon is the an example of the Jedi. Like he is like the ideal Jedi. Mm. In he's he is like Luke is in the original trilogy. He uses the light, the light side of the Force just for what he thinks is good because he's always in disagreement with the Council. Mm-hmm. This is coming from a lot of the uh, extra ancillary material, but. He is always at odds with the council because the council is this rigid body, but he thinks you need to be able to do more to... Because, you know, the Jedi, the slave, slavery exists, and mm, you sure, know, they yeah. go to Tatooine, and Obi-Wan's like, we let this happen, and Qui-Gon's like, okay, you know, we can't really do anything about it because the Jedi are just... They've become this political body. They're, they're unrelated to the Republic. Mm-hmm. Are they, like, a military branch? And obviously later they become generals, like I said, and it just becomes this really complicated thing. So Qui-Gon was an example of like what a Jedi could be I think mm-hmm. but I don't know that, that, that's besides the point but I, yes you're right like you see the Jedi not as these cool knights as Obi-Wan says Obi-Wan says they were the in episode 4 to Luke you know they were the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy and then in the prequels there's just these lame dudes who sit on chairs and walk around <laughs> walk around a temple so yeah. you're like okay <laughs> what but um yeah so to go back to the ranking 1 and 2 I think are pretty interchangeable yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, my 10 is Phantom Menace. Okay, so, cool. And my 9 is Attack of the Clones. Okay. I guess we've kind of already I talked think about it. Yeah, I feel like we adequately talked about um, that. Okay, my number 10 was Phantom Menace, and my number 9 would be surprising for you guys. It's The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson, in my opinion, is a great director when it comes to his movies. Like, I really love Knives Out. I agree with people when they say it's the most entertaining movie of 2019. He tried to do the Ryan Johnson kind of thing in The Last Jedi. It worked in some places really good, but in my opinion, it kind of failed in some other places. And, okay, so one third of the movie is about them going to a casino and, like, finding DJ, and that whole sequence seems so slow to me, and it seems unnecessary. Uh, then the whole Haldo going against the, like, Poe, uh, Damon turning against the... Uh, against her commanders and going to a, making a rebel because Haldo was eventually was going to sacrifice herself. That could have been clear, in my opinion. That whole plot seems, un, I mean, it seems useless to me. What I like about this movie is how they handle Kylo Ren and Rey and like bridging the f- gap between dark and light side. Uh, what Brian Johnson wanted to say, in my opinion, was that it is an absolute and it's kind of in a gray area, both of them, both of the characters, Ray and, uh, Ray and Kylo Ren are in gray, and not exactly dark or, or black or white. I think um, in terms of Canto Bite, the casino planet, mm-hmm. it is, I think the statistic is like Rose in that movie, cause she's commonly a complaint. Mm-hmm. It's like 11 minutes out of the 155 minutes of that movie. Okay. So for me, Canto Bite, is a common like okay this is slow or whatever this is but for me it's not that much the movie it's it really is maybe like a tenth at most like it's actually really fast paced I think and I love a lot of those initial shots on Canto Bite with Finn and Rose I, I, I think oh I mean I love The Last Jedi I mean I no again I'm, I'm trying to look at this as unbiased as possible but I yeah. really don't understand the complaints of the Canto Bite because I thought it was like exciting and cool and I like that whole I mean, it took me out of the main plot of the movie. It was like a I, side plot, but... I don't think it was a side plot, because it all... I mean, it is, it is it, the B-plot. 
it is the B plot, but it ties right into the A plot because DJ right. betrays yeah. the information to the first order. Yeah, that's what that's, to... I like that part of the movie, but the whole can't abide them going to it, it felt unfair to me. I, you know, that's fair, but I I wouldn't want DJ not in the movie. DJ, yeah, I love Benicio DJ. Del Toro's portrayal of DJ is one of my favorite parts of that movie. At the end when, you know, <laughs> Finn is sort of trying to give his moralistic, you know, the, <laughs> the good guys will win and the bad guys will lose, and he just looks at Finn and goes, maybe, and just walks off. It's like, that <laughs> right. is, that's so great. Like, he is just such this, he's such, he's totally, he is the gray, yeah. in my opinion, of the movie. He, mm-hmm. You know, they, these, this person, they were selling weapons to the bad guys and the good. You know, that scene where he's going through uh, the mm-hmm. ship. And what's the what, bad guys and good guys? What's yeah, the difference? What, what's the difference? difference? Yeah. He's like, let me learn you something big. And he's, you know, live free, don't join. I think, I think he's a super cool yeah. character. So I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to get rid of that. But it could be, it, it could be improved in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. But um, on the topic of Rose, I'd, it wasn't a bother for me until the scene where she stops Finn from sacrificing himself. Because it could, I mean, so if Ryan Johnson had let Finn sacrifice himself, it would have been a complete arc to his story. He started from Stormtrooper, he was not tied to the rebellion, but resistance, but he was still a part of him. Decides to work for him and then he sacrifices himself. That's a complete arc for me. And either that or he, he like, I don't see why Rose did that till now. Yeah, uh, I see why Rose did it. I understand the compl- of all the complaints I've heard about Last Jedi. I understand that that being uh, sort of botching, I guess, mm-hmm. like his complete arc. Yeah, yeah like, but I understand Rose's because Rose at the beginning loses her sister. Yeah, and, and I think that that was her. Uh, that was her arc. That was her arc. Was her trying to save someone that she grew to care for. So. Mm-hmm. But I do see your point about. But it, it's hard. It's hard for me to think about what ifs or what could have been because that isn't the that isn't the that's what true. happened in the movie. That's so I know true. that could have been a good arc, but I think where Finn goes in the Rise of Skywalker is better for him. Being force sensitive is better for me than because his force sensitivity is certainly set up in uh, uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, and is yeah. and is definitely I I think is good in, in the Rise of Skywalker. I think that's something that JJ kept going, and I'm glad he went with that. But in terms of uh, the Admiral Holdo and Poe, um, I think that one is also not. Now people don't look at it too critically, but there's a lot going on in that uh, on the on those bridge scenes where there's it's just little things that Ryan Johnson puts in that gives a lot of context to them, like the fact that the, the hyperspace tracking is a new technology, yeah. and they think that there's a spy on the ship and someone must be feeding them information. Like when I was watching the movie for the first time, I thought Admiral Holdo was going to be like a first order spy. Mm. But if you look at it in the context of he is a captain, she's an admiral. She doesn't have to explain himself to him. I, I just think there's, and I have other opinions about the character mm. cause I have, there are books with her in it, but that came out before the movie with her <laughs> and Leia's relationship. Mm. And so I already knew about the character going into it and knew what she was like. So there's, I, but I can't factor that in. I just think, that is probably is the weakest part of the movie for me. Like initially in those initial months after the Last Jedi, where you were you were hearing so much criticism, and I was like, oh my god, is this movie bad? With the Last Jedi, I went through it. I saw it three times in theater as well. The first time, I was like, oh my god, ten out of ten. The second time, I was like, that wasn't very good. And then I wait, I, had a, I waited like two weeks, saw it again. I was like, okay, no, I, I do like this movie. Mm-hmm. But in that middle period. Uh, where I didn't like it, I was like, because there was so much just negativity being thrown out about it, and there was just like this clash of opinions. Mm-hmm. It was that Laura, it was Laura Dern and 
Oscar Isaac's plot line that I was like, uh, what's you know what's going on mm-hmm. here? So I, I do I understand criticisms about that that he she could have just told him the plan, yeah. but I think that's his arc as a character of becoming the leader of the resistance. That's what Poe. That's that's his arc. Yeah, mm-hmm. is becoming a responsible leader. Yeah, I don't know, but that's oh, that's fine. Uh, I mean, I, I I never really understood the complaints with that. It's like the the arc seems self explanatory enough to me. Mm-hmm. Where you know Holder ends up doing something really sacrificial, and then he learns to. You know, he have sees it. There's that great shot where he's looking out the window at it, and he sees it with his eyes. And he's, Amazing he's, yeah. he's like, shot. He's like, Whew. I guess if you context to Holder, that that makes sense. that would make sense probably. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the book, so no, that's fine. And you shouldn't have to. It's, yeah. There's no, they should, you know, when you're walking into the theater, they're not handing you a book. Oh, here's the required material to understand this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a movie, so. But I, I'm, I'm more in line with Jim in this case where I don't think... I never saw a reason for her to need to tell him. Because especially after the intro of the movie where he does this heroic thing, yeah. but he loses the lives of so many people. They lose yeah. their entire bombing fleet, and there's only like three or four people mm. who make it back. Yeah, basically he gets demoted. There's no reason for him to know what the plan is because he doesn't he shouldn't have that status I guess I don't like it it just it made sense to me that our, mm-hmm. I never felt a certain way about it I was like yeah I, I get where they're going with this arc and I, mm-hmm. I appreciate it I guess that was one of the ones that, that was one of the things I felt pretty indifferent about in terms of the whole movie I'm like yeah uh, that that works for me I understand what, where it's going so what was one of the your other you you I'm surprised you haven't talked about Luke at all um, that, that was like the biggest yeah, one I mean I didn't so I thought Luke was okay. He, I guess he could have been. I get, I get what Ryan Johnson was going for, and the one thing I didn't understand was he was try, he was about to kill Kylo Ren. I don't think that's something what Luke would do. Like the Luke from original trilogy won't do that. Something like that. well, he yeah, I think he wouldn't. He didn't like that was the yeah, but he, he was he, he thought about it just yeah. for a brief moment, and that that was the yeah. the tragedy of it. It was just it was just this one moment of weakness, and just like he looks at his own hand in, in that in the final flashback, and he's mm-hmm. like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And so he looks at Ben, and you know Ben is already looking back at him, and he says, you know, he says, Ben, like it's no, too late. It's yeah. too yeah. late. Like that was such a good moment of weakness that I thought it made it really humanized Luke because mm-hmm. a big problem that people have with Ray in the new trilogy is she's a Mary Sue or you know she's just too powerful of a character or not too powerful well that is a complaint but she's not really that deep of a character mm-hmm. I felt the same way about Luke in the original trilogy I never really connected with Luke I was always a more of a Han Solo mm-hmm. guy yeah. but when The Last Jedi came out that's when I really learned to love Luke and saw how he grew from the original trilogy mm-hmm. into you know how he was in The Last Jedi and then how he comes back to how he is so I'm like one of the reasons I do love these movies is I I am able to wait like I know that in time mm. there will probably be more stories for Rey that will give her deeper meaning and that will make her character deeper and I'm willing to wait for that because Luke in The Last Jedi really made me love Luke Skywalker mm. like his arc in that movie I think is the most relatable out of I mean Yoda Yoda's scene in that movie the greatest teacher failure is is like that's one of the most relatable and powerful moments I think in all of Star Wars. Yeah, mm. and just that arc, making Luke Skywalker such a human being, mm. really made me like Luke in the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I get the part where Luke is questioning the Jedi itself, the whole idea of Jedi being good, and like when uh, Yoda burns up the text, he goes like, "Those are some sacred text," and Yoda is like, "It's not about the text; it's about the meaning of what you learn." Yeah, but even in that scene. That, that's a great example of yeah. Ryan, where you think on the surface it looks like Ryan Johnson doing a Ryan Johnson, but in reality, 
it's just it's that's just the most Star Warsy Star Wars thing. Yoda yeah, knows those that. texts aren't in the tree. Ray has already taken the texts. She's already learned from them. He's just pulling a Yoda and making Luke think this. Yeah, like that's like the ultimate, not like subversion of expectations in a Star Wars way. Like there is that because you, you know Yoda wouldn't burn burn these books, but he's just trying to teach Luke a lesson. Right, and that's like that's what's yeah. going on in that scene. I agree with that. So that, no, that's a classic like empire parallel right there. Mm. So that's your number nine? Yeah. Number nine. So my number nine, I wrestle with this movie a lot on how I feel about it. And uh, sorry, Mom, I know this is your favorite, but Rogue One is my number mm. nine. Mm. So I really liked Rogue One. I still, obviously, like I said, I keep saying it. I love all these movies. Mm. But Rogue One's third act is like almost perfection in, mm. in a Star Wars yeah. movie. It's like one of the most perfect third acts out of any movie but the first two acts for me especially the second act are like really slow and I mean that's pretty much why I have this movie so low it's just it's just slow it feels really slow to me and I don't I don't really feel connected to the characters until the third act which I think is really really good but for me just having that good third act doesn't justify me having to sit through the rest of the movie because I have seen it a lot but especially when when they get when they go to Saw Gerrera and they get imprisoned, mm. there's like a twenty minute period where just I feel like nothing happens and it's just just the first like fifty minutes of that movie is a real slog to me middle of that movie, but that's just that's just me because I know you really like Rogue One. Yeah, it's number two on my list. So the okay, so I agree with that. That okay for me the first act was uh it was it was slow for me, like they try to set up everything and. It's like it's going to one direction, but it doesn't go anywhere with that. But I guess the third act is so good, in my opinion, that I guess it's the first two act being bad is justifiable. That's that's my opinion. Mm. Well, I shouldn't say the first two acts because the cold open, because people give uh, you know complain a lot about how it doesn't have a crawl or but the yeah. anthology movies don't. But I think the cold open, that's like one of my I think that might be my favorite mm. Star Wars opening. That scene has so much tension and there's so much history there that once again I keep going back to this there's there's a novel that came out before Rogue One that leads up right into that scene and it's mm. so good it's when I sat down in that theater when I, when I watch the movie now it's like wow that they that it just picks right up but um, starting sort of going behind the scenes I think Rogue One is the movie even though Solo had more behind the scenes drama I think Rogue One is the, the movie where I see it the most because very famously, Gareth Edwards was sort of backseated and Tony Gilroy came in to redo a lot of the movie. Mm. Like, I remember when yeah. most of the footage in the trailers, not in the movie mm. at all. True. Yeah. Like, the, like, half of that movie was totally changed and reworked. And it's the one that I can most see, like, through the cracks of the editing process. You know, I'm like, okay, this, I'm not sure this was always in the cut or, you know, what was what was the plan here especially in the third act it just feels so different than the rest of the movie mm. I could tell you know Tony Gilroy made that what it was and not so much Gareth Edwards mm. what I like about the movie is that it, it's a story from a common man's perspective in the empire in, during Empire time so you're not dealing with Jedi's or Sith's per se but you're dealing with someone who's a part of a galaxy from a common man kind of view and I also like Donnie Yen in that movie. Uh, people kind of hate him, but I don't actually oh, like I don't, him. I, I, yeah, I think Donnie Yen's portrayal hmm. of uh, Chiro Himwe is freaking awesome. I mean, 
I mean, yeah, once again, that third act, that is very, when he's walking out there and he gets hit and then Baze comes out there to his body and is fighting the death troopers and it is just like that, that sacrifice of him holding him in his arms, that, I mean, that's like, wow. It's just, it's so good. Yeah, it's a movie that doesn't need Jedi, doesn't need love story, doesn't need a... Oh, yeah, I'm so glad that Cassian and yeah. Jim did not kiss yeah. at the end. I would, in the th- I remember being in the theater just like, saying, don't kiss, don't kiss, just, just die. I was like that <laughs> in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker with Ray Love, but it happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are these characters that have appeared in other, you know, ancillary material no. or... Well, oh, okay. Um, you were very good at remembering names, so like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Saw Guerrera is, so... He's Jin, in Clone Wars, right? Jin's yeah. uh, sort of a mentor. Yeah, he's in Played Clone by Forrest Whitaker. Played by Forrest yeah. Whitaker, yeah. His, his character is in both animated shows and some novels and the book. He was the first animated character to jump to, to on screen, which is pretty cool. Mm. But in terms of the main cast... Technically, they were in books before, but they were in books that were being made for the movie, if you know what I mean. Like, Got they it. were tie-in books. They, they may have came out before the movie, but they were these characters were created for the Rogue One story. Sure. So, yeah. by no, they were, they were not. Okay. But they have appeared in other stuff afterwards, especially uh, Orson Krennic, Ben Mendelsohn's character, mm-hmm. uh, the villain, who mm-hmm. I think does a really great job mm-hmm. sort of being this just empire middle management <laughs> he's just he wants he just wants the promotion you know he's mm-hmm. just working I, lo- I love I love Ben Mendelsohn that movie he's so good and his interactions with uh, Tarkin are super cool mm. I'm curious did we see more of K2SO? Uh, there, there has been more of K2SO after the fact but not really I mean we'll, we will be getting the Cassian Andor K2SO show on Disney Plus oh um, so we will I be mean, getting they're doing a lot of stuff right now we, we can't say I mean, this is planning a lot of stuff. I don't know what they would go for. No, that's what they announced. Hmm. That's been announced. I mean, they even announced Kenobi, and like every day I'm like, oh, it's cancelled. No, it's back again. It's cancelled. No, I mean, that's that's all. That's all rumor. Yeah. At at D twenty three, they said Cassie and freaking Diego Luna and hmm. Alan Tudyk walked out on that stage, and said they were they're filming. So they're making that show. Hmm. They're making Kenobi, and they made the Mandalorian. And there are a lot of there's a lot of other stuff behind the scenes that we don't know what they're making because hmm. there are others. There's other yeah, stuff in there, sure. but we will be getting more. Alan Tudyk and Diego Luna in those roles in the future in a live action capacity but I would love to see that but right now right now Rogue One is the only time we can see that hmm. but yeah it's just I think it's a good movie but it's it's just a little bit slow for me so that's hmm. why it's at my number 9 it's my number 8 yeah I, I think if there's a Star Wars like all the Star Wars movies make me feel something whether it's you know joyful or, or morose or, or just anything uh, even if it's like the Rise of Skywalker and I'm like disgusted, it, uh, I'm at least feeling something. Uh, Rogue One, I just I do not care about it. I think it's a better competently made movie than the prequels, or than two of the three prequels. I, I think it's fine. I think the ending, the last third, is really exciting, and I was enjoying watching it. Uh, but I had zero investment in, in any of these characters, and yeah, I, I just did not care. Uh, it was one of the Star Wars movies that I saw for I saw once I saw it once in 2016 when it first came out mm-hmm. on opening night and then I did not want to ever see it again mm-hmm. have you seen it since? no I remember I saw it I was like I, I've seen all the other sorry I've seen all the other movies including Solo uh, more than once mm-hmm. but I have not seen Rogue One again 
and maybe it would warm up. I would warm up to it a little bit more. But even even post watching Solo, I was like, yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed um, uh, Alden Ehrenreich's performance in that movie. And I think that, I think despite we'll get into Solo, yeah, we'll get like, into Solo. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, but. Rogue One, I just did not care. I remember watching it during the opening weekend, and I was like, I went to my friends who were also Star Wars fans, and I'm like, we need to watch this movie. And I remember we have an intermission back in Arfeja, like during the middle half, and they're like, oh, it's okay. I'm like, wait for the end. Just wait for the end. And an intermission? That's. Yeah, it's back in India where every movie had the intermission. That's crazy. Wow. And, uh, well, the second half is much better than the first half and after yeah. the intermission, but um, I'm gonna have to agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I I agree with the general consensus that the third is last third is great, but uh, I would have liked to have cared more about the characters leading up to that, and mm. I guess I mean yeah, it's impact yeah. on the greater story. Yeah. I think it's the movie that I've I've watched it a lot, and it's the movie that I've pretty much stayed. In my opinion declined initially and then it's pretty much just stayed the same like I my opinion really hasn't changed I'm curious to see if you watched again what you would feel but I'm pretty consistent like that's the one that I'm always like yeah you know it's a confidently made movie I like if the last half that last like third or half that's that's about all I can say you know I never like um, for like something like I wouldn't give him like three movies to give him an arc but they only give them like one movie for like about three characters to give them an arc so that's not it's hard to do that. It is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, that's true. I, I just, I remember hearing about that movie and it being a, a side story and a cast of characters that I never, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of because I don't consume any of the other media. I mean, I, I get that these are characters that hadn't been, mm-hmm. but like already I was semi-invested in all the characters from the original trilogy and like from the prequels mm-hmm. and stuff. But I was like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to feel about by going into this being completely cold and speaking of cold I actually really love the cold opening to this movie mm, yeah. I was like that's cool that really uh, establishes it and distinguishes it as something different from what we've seen before and I like that and I like how it felt more like a war movie and a little bit personal more personal than um, or not really personal but like more intimate you know yeah um, no I know what you mean yeah and it's less, it's less lofty in it's themes and ideas it's very it's, Pers- like related to the character of the, these characters like there aren't the greater themes of good and evil are there but they're not nearly as present because there's a lot there's less of a force element like yeah. you said I don't think this movie was going for good and evil yeah no I just I like that and I respect what they're going for but I just don't think it works because I don't end up caring about any of the characters <laughs> yeah. even by the end I was like okay well I already knew that they were all gonna die they were all gonna die so uh, so what? Like, I, I didn't care to ever come back to it. So that's how I feel. So are we on your eight or your nine? Uh, that was my eight. Okay. So. Okay, my eight was Rise of Skywalker. I watched the opening night. It was okay movie for me. I mean, it did some good stuff. It did a lot of bad stuff as well. And I would say I didn't like the idea of being bringing Palpatine back. That's just my opinion. I mean, he looked really was, he looked really exploded in episode six. So. Yeah, and he did, and he says in the movie, yeah. "I've been dead before." Yeah, now, he is dead. I don't see how it can, ex- like, how how is it? I mean, how do we know he's not dead now? That's well, I don't think he was ever really alive in this movie. Mm. Like he was just, he's literally just like a husk <laughs> of dark side. Like there's, he's not even a real person until like the very end, maybe. Mm. But 
he's not like he's not really there. He's just and I would have hated it if it was Snoke the whole time through all the, the, the this trilogy. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that would I think that would have been way worse because then it would have just been literally a rehash of the Emperor, and I think that is far worse than it just being the Emperor the whole time, because I think at least that is a through line, even if you don't like the movies, at least he is present through all of them. Mm-hmm. If it was just the Emperor for six and then rip off Emperor mm-hmm. for the next three, I think that would have been way yeah. worse. If, nah, just, if, if, if Snoke was just a new Emperor, and he does, if all the same stuff happened, but it was just Snoke instead, Snoke, yeah. I think that would have been way worse. Yeah, And I agree with Jim that it's a big fuck you to Ryan Johnson. Like, there are a lot of setups to this movie that... It but, you, but you like this more than Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean, it's just 8 and 9. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like... Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I would have loved to, for Ray to be no one, to be honest. Mm. I guess they didn't do anything with Podium, and I really like that character. I love that scene in the... Uh, that's one of my favorite parts of The Red Skywalker, when he goes to Finn... I love their friendship through all these movies. Mm. I think the Finn and Poe escaping in Episode Seven from yeah. Star Destroyer it might be my just favorite sequence of this trilogy. That is just—it's cool. so just like it's so just fun and just Star Wars. And it feels natural. It feels, it's just mm. natural. But their scene in the Rise of Skywalker when he goes up to him, he goes, "I need your help," and you know they're talking. And he goes, "General." And he goes, "General," <laughs> and they're both—they're just—I I like where Poe went. I think you're right that Poe could have had more to do. Yeah, but. There's just so much going on in these movies. I'm not sure what more he could have done. I guess Ryan Johnson did a better job with Poe than J.J. Abrams. Mm. Like, he showed that he's a great pilot in the first sequence of Last Jedi. He, like, he showed that how good of a pilot he is. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I think... Mm, I mean, I, I that that's already been established in Force Awakens, though. It's kind of like he's sort of like a modern... Yeah, yeah really but one of the greatest was like, pilots in the... Mm. Rebellion, yeah. I feel like that's always been his thing. Yeah. But I like him. I think I like him about the same in all three. Mm. I think he's definitely. I don't know. I don't say. I don't. I don't. I don't want to say that. Um, I would say he's my favorite character from the sequel trilogy. Really? really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Well, he's definitely. I think the most consistent. He's not really in. He was supposed to die in. Famously, he was supposed to die in the Force Awakens. He wasn't supposed to be in much of the movie, but J.J. Mm. Abrams just liked the vibe so much that mm. he brought him back. And so he's this weird, like, fits the Han Solo archetype, I guess, but mm-hmm. wasn't really meant to be Han Solo. I think by The Rise yeah. of Skywalker, he has a very Indiana Jones adventure vibe, which mm-hmm. I really like. But I, The Last Jedi is his, I think it's his movie out of the three. If he's going to have true. one, I think The Last true, Jedi true. is the one where he shines the most. Because he's only really in the beginning, in the very end of The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And then he's like a B character in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But... I, I think he's consistent, at least in his character and the way he acts through all three. I think that there's a through line there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just stopped caring of the movie when Ray and Kylo Ren kiss. I was like, oh, this is it. I just hate the movie now. I think just because I'm glad that Kylo Ren was redeemed and died. I mm-hmm. think that's the only way that could have... Because I've been thinking a lot about... Because there's been a lot of um, hubbub, I guess is the word, about Colin Trevorrow's script it's been leaked online mm. there's been a lot of talk about what episode 9 could have been mm-hmm. and you know wish wishing I used to wish that Kylo Ren would just stay bad the whole time mm-hmm. yeah. but after seeing I see now that he there, if he just stayed bad then I think that would have been a real disservice to who he is like he is a tragic character and he should be he should come back because he is a Skywalker he is a Solo like he is 
this embodiment of good. If he had just stayed bad the whole time, I I don't know. I think that would have just... Yeah, I mean, I see Anakin turning to the dark side because he wanted to save his wife and his, child, and his unborn child. I mean, children in this case. But I don't see why Kylo Ren would move just... I mean, I guess, like, Luke was trying to kill him, yeah, but he could have reasoned with him just not turn to the dark side. Well, there were things going on before that moment that was just sort of the the catalyst to mm. for him turning. Like, Snoke was there, Palpatine was there in his head before. I mean, you see that in... That's, that's I, love, I love that line in um, The Rise of Skywalker of how Palpatine has been every voice yeah, inside, every it, inside yeah, his head. Because yeah. if you really think about it, if he was talking to the quote-unquote ghost of Darth Vader, that would be Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker would be like, what the hell are you doing, kid? Right. You know, I, I, I came back from this. It wouldn't make any sense if he was getting this from Darth Vader because Darth Vader was just gone. It's yeah. Anakin Skywalker is back. Mm-hmm. So I like that. And I, I think the Palpatine thing, there are through lines, or not through lines, I keep saying that, there are hints of Palpatine throughout the, all of them. Like, in The Last Jedi, it is the Emperor's theme that is playing in Snoke's yeah, theme. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Snoke doesn't have a theme. It's the Emperor. And Snoke is literally repeating lines that the Emperor has. And there's this really, there's really cool mm. stuff about how Snoke was, like, the, he was the final test for Kylo to become this powerful, you know, evil guy, mm. but which he passed... But, like, Snoke is just there as a vessel for Kylo. I thought this before Palpatine back came back. I thought this right out of The Last Jedi. Snoke is just there as a tool for Kylo Ren to become more powerful in the dark side. Yeah. I think that is that is true whether or not Palpatine comes back in Episode Nine. Snoke is just there for Kylo. And that is now true in the in the lore, and I think that is true from a writing perspective. Yeah, no, I think I think he's always been just a plot device for Kylo, just, and, and that, that's why I never really understood the argument, like, oh, I don't like how Snoke just dies. Like, yeah, or like, last I, like, like, he was well, set up in Force Awakens somehow, like, yeah, I don't, I never found, I never felt that. He was in the movie for, like, three minutes in, in, in Force Awakens mm-hmm. out of, like, a, you know, 140-minute movie, and it's like, I, I don't have any connection <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested in this guy like just if you want to kill him great and it's a great moment in Last Jedi because then that ends up becoming the catalyst for like yeah. my favorite fight I, I guess I would have liked it more so. if they revealed that Palpatine is the one behind the strings in Last Jedi instead of Rise of Skywalker mm. yeah for like for me I, yeah, you have to, I just have to look at it as movies. Hmm. It's not as well set up. However, I think there are things there. I mean, the, the deliberate use of Palpatine's theme with Snoke, that yeah. can't be a coincidence. Like, right. I obviously, so. there are parallels there. And his, the use of literal Palpatine lines, like, he is saying the exact lines. Like, there is a parallel there. Like, hmm. it would make sense. It's thematically hmm. makes sense for me. But there is stuff before. Like, there are novels that came out way before The Rise of Skywalker came out that talks about Palpatine being on Jakku you know, having stuff there, hmm. setting up, feeling, you know, setting stuff up, and I don't know, for me, Palpatine's always been this manipulator, especially in the extended universe, as he always has a plan for a plan on contingency on contingency. Like, it just it just made sense to me, but hmm. I can see why it may seem as if J.J. Abrams and his writing team were like, in case of emergency, break glass, bring Palpatine back. <laughs> Right, right. Just write all this stuff away. You that's know. exactly how I view it. Whatever. I do to go back on that line though. I think that's a really, in retrospect, that is a really good line because I think it's it's not really uh, we we talk about hints of Palpatine, but it's not even really like Palpatine per se. It's just that call to the dark side. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be. But he is uh, the, like the personification yeah, of no, the dark side. That is all like all of these movies. So I think yeah. it's, it's just right that it is him because he is he has been the problem. 
for all nine movies. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that um, when you come to, like, writing about the writing in uh, Rise of Skywalker, I feel like that was it working. I think it's just kind of on accident, at least in my opinion, because I feel like they totally just threw that out there because they had no ideas for him mm. where to go with it. And But I guess they set up um, Ray's, Ray to be Palpatine's order a long time ago. Because I was looking at some guy on YouTube analyzed the different teams of different characters and he found the similarities between Ray team, Ray's team and Emperor's team. It's kind of... Yeah. And you well, can hear the like, same ascent and descent of notes. I don't, I don't really... But there have been theories of this since like 2015. I, I don't really think that that was the plan the whole time. I really don't. But, but it goes back to people like analyzing race fighting style and saying like, mm. oh, it's just like Palpatine. It's like way back in the day. Mm. And I was like, I, mean, I never bought into it. But Wasn't it Kathleen Kennedy that confirmed that they didn't have a plan from the very beginning? Could be. I mean... I thought uh, I heard that somewhere. I don't they didn't... I, I mean, I think that they didn't have a like a solid plan that, okay, this is how we're going to... I don't think they had a solid plan either, but my counter to that is always neither did the original trilogy. Sure. And I like, I think I like both trilogies a lot. And But George Lucas, Leia wasn't meant to be Luke's sister the whole time. Mm, right. Certainly not an Empire. There was, when Yoda says there is another, there was going to literally be another Skywalker. Mm. It wasn't going to be Leia. Yeah. Darth Vader wasn't always Luke's father. You know, there... Mm. George was very much going as, going on just as the movies were being made and I feel that same essence in the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. of it just feels right where it went I can understand in the day of, of something like Reddit and social media where mm-hmm. all these theories and people are literally writing whole scripts out there like this is how it should be so when something is similar it feels like people are being appeased or that is what they're going for mm-hmm. but I just think it was it's naturally where it should go just because without Snoke Without without having a larger villain, because I think ultimately Kylo Ren's destiny was always to be redeemed. Like that, I think is a plan. That I think from day one, from the Force Awakens, like that sh- that those parallels between Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker with that scene with Han Solo is that is emotional to me. Mm-hmm. When when Ben Solo looks at Han Solo in the memory of Han Solo, mm-hmm. and just says "Dad," and he goes "I know," harkening yeah. back to "I love you, I know," yeah. and like that that was like that's so good. <laughs> that's like. Whew. And it's just the same scene. Kylo Ren is just playing the same scene in Force Awakens back in his head, but this time he's able to resist it. Like that, that's so good to me. It, but it's because his mother came to him. Like Leia, he was able to. Re- Leia was able to come back to him, you know, hearkening back to that no one's ever really gone. Luke telling that to Leia in Last Jedi, your son's, ne- you know, no one's ever really gone. Like that, that to me, I see, the, I see the connections. I see the emotional threads. Mm-hmm. So. Kylo Ren can't be the big bad, otherwise there would be no villain in the, in the third true, act. True. So I think Palpatine uh, needs to be there. Who is Kylo Ren's second in command? The one who tried to be, but the one who became a spy for the rebellion. Oh, Hawks. Hawks. Uh, um, I thought he was gonna be the bad guy in Episode Nine. Mm, see, I, you I, know why? Uh, let me just give me a. Okay. In the do you remember the throne room scene where they Ray and Kylo Ren have a fight? They fight the guards, and then Kylo, then after Ray escapes. Yeah. So. They, I love that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, so in the in the shot, we don't I, we don't see his gun. We just see him pulling or something. So I thought he was a sit in disguise. Oh, okay. Or like a lightsaber. Yeah. Oh. That's what I thought. What is Interesting. It? Interesting. See, people always complain how Hux was used as comedic relief mm. in the Last Jedi, yeah. and how he was somehow like diminished. But I always felt he was that character in the Force Awakens. He was this this like over the top 
villainous guy and his reasoning for being a spy in The Rise of Skywalker I think <coughs> is totally a through line from The Last Jedi really? of, I don't oh. want the ruling to win I just want Kylo Ren to lose the whole mm-hmm. time he's has had this this butting heads with Kylo Ren from The Force Awakens mm-hmm. especially in The Last Jedi mm-hmm. there, I mean, he literally goes to kill him and he's like Kylo Ren treats this guy like garbage in the rest mm-hmm. of the movie once he becomes supreme leader yeah so like I felt that was that mm-hmm. was totally like that was legit They've, they've been butting heads for the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I never really felt the need for Hux to be something more. He's always just been this weasel who mm, just true. doesn't like Kylo Ren. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's fine. We'll, we can come back to the right of Skywalker when we get to it on my list. Okay. So that was your number nine. Sorry, nine, my number eight. Your number eight. So my number eight is Revenge of the Sith, the hmm. my favorite prequel by far. The most, I think, thematically strong Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. honestly. Almost too much so. It is this is like a lot of themes coming at you. John Williams is really going to town <laughs> with his with his orchestra in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and the Battle of the Heroes is amazing on Mustafar and yeah. the rise the fall of Anakin and the rise of Darth Vader. The the scene at the opera with Palpatine. Yeah. Just great stuff. Mm. Great stuff. Uh, we've talked to just about the praises of Revenge of the Sith. I think this is the most it there is some bad dialogue in there still, yeah. you know. I'm, <laughs> you're beautiful. It's only because I'm so in love with you. No, I'm so in love with you. You know, there are bad moments in there, but there is still good stuff, especially between Ewan McGregor and um, mm-hmm. Hayden Christensen. Ewan McGregor does his best job as Obi-Wan Kenobi in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Order 66 is a great sequence. Mm-hmm. Most of this movie is like, just the rise of Palpatine, his manipulations of, I mean, the fact that the statement of this the Senate voted for the Empire like he he was made the Emperor democratically like it was a, it was a, mm-hmm. it, it's just George Lucas you know people say that the prequels have too much politics but I think it's just like the right amount of politics I think it's really interesting the dynamics he's talking about so I don't know I like I like all this stuff mm-hmm. in the movie pretty much I don't really think there's some slow stuff with uh, Mace Windu there's just some scenes of him walking and talking, and I, I remember as a kid, now I like them, but I remember as a kid I would always skip through that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a lot of scenes of the, of the Jedi Council, of Anakin being angsty, and I would just skip all through, through that stuff. But now I appreciate it. But, God, there are some great shots. The scene where Anakin is staring out across the city and Padme, Padme is looking back. Oof, yeah. that's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. That's a great shot. And, um, I don't know, I feel like we've covered the good parts of episode three a lot. Because it has a lot to do with the negative parts of one and two are really refined. They really come to a head in three and are made like the the time you put into the prequels is worth it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it adds so much that that the other ones are lacking. I think it finally comes to a head with the themes of having completely utter distaste in the status quo. And I I think it just sets up the rest of the series really well, and it's just a tragic story that's often really really powerful in a way that mm-hmm. like if you compare how this prequel trilogy started out how it ended. and how it Ooh. ended it is just yeah. so it is night and day because you get scenes uh Jar Jar Binks stepping on poop <laughs> to <laughs> hanging killing kids yeah. yeah yeah it is uh I really like the whole hello there General Kenobi Kenobi fight yeah it's it is good yeah. uh General Grievous is a I love that character. I think he's hilarious. He was in... Before the movie came out, he was in the first Clone Wars series. Uh, the... I can never 
pronounce his name. It, the, the man who made Samurai Jack, if you're aware of Samurai Jack. Yeah, it's that same art style. It's the same art style, the anime style. It's about two hours in its entirety. They were short, like, four-minute episodes, mm-hmm. and it ran from right after, uh, like, 2003 to 2005. And that's where Grievous was introduced. So he was a character before that. But there was a Clone Wars series before that, and there were mm-hmm. Clone Wars comics back in then. But the Clone Wars series now, the, the one that's canon, I just grew up loving Grievous as this sort of villain of the week, like this... I also seeing seeing him in Revenge um, of the Sith, I, I always like. Yeah. I think he's a, just a fun character. It's always fun when he pulls out the four lightsabers. It's like, oh, this <laughs> yeah. is, it's just over the top and like, great. But, um... That shot of Obi-Wan's eyes. eyes? Oh, oh, so, I don't think oh, so. Oh, I don't think so. It's like, you must realize you are doomed. Oh, I don't think so. It's like, oh, That was God. such an awkwardly it's framed It's so awkward. Shot. I love like, it. For, for a movie that has, like, some beautiful, beautiful shots, and you could tell, like, they really refined the, the effects, too. Yes. Um, it is the movie that holds up the most out of the people's. Like, that was such an awkward, like, out-of-place... Uh, it's, it, it's not even centered in the frame. It's, <laughs> it's like, just, yeah, it's like, what is going on? Uh, um... But this is also one of those movies that has a, similar to Justice League's Snyder cut, there is a, a four-hour cut of yeah. Revenge of the Sith that you can definitely feel at the movie. Like, the intro, the 20-minute intro, was supposed to be, like, an hour. Um, and I love that intro. The, just, right into, right into the war over Coruscant, battle over Coruscant. It's just fun, and... The, the, on the text, war. War, that's the first, <laughs> the first line is war, exclamation point. Um, we haven't really talked about uh, the character really much but the weakest character for me or the one that's done the most disservice mm-hmm. in the entire prequel trilogy is Count Dooku because he is such an interesting character mm-hmm. who really gets nothing to do in the movies in episode 2 he's like you know Palpatine's bad to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's like ha you're kidding <laughs> and it's like okay so you know, Dooku is working against Palpatine and then he just dies in the beginning of 3 and he has nothing to do yeah. but in the shows and the books, like this, he's such a deep. Like he is the richest man in the galaxy. He's funding the Confederacy. He really, he was a Jedi. He doesn't really believe. He's just playing the villain for for this master plan. You know, he isn't really this like evil guy. He's just being manipulated. He's convinced himself that he's not being manipulated. And there's super cool layers and themes. And you get a little bit of that in Episode Three when he looks at Palpatine with those eyes. As Anakin has the blades to his neck, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, he's like, he's like, oh my God, I've been, I've been duped." And, but he's dead right there. So yeah. you don't really get a lot of him in the prequel trilogy, and I think that's unfortunate. He's a really cool character. The, mm-hmm. I think the villains of the prequel trilogy are the weakest, because Maul, Grievous, Dooku, they really throw, pretty throwaway in the movies. You can really just, they're discarded. Uh, and Palpatine is the is the big bad. But, so the, I think the villains of the prequels are the weakest parts. But other than that, I think um, Revenge of the Sith is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Um yeah, I think we kind of went over what we all think about it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Seeing Kashyyyk, the Wookiees, I think that's great. That's always fun. Oh, that, that's yeah. a fun scene for sure. Um, the end with Yoda and Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are funny scenes. Have you guys seen... Um, there's <laughs> there's a series of YouTube poops online of Revenge of the Sith. Oh, the... Revenge of the Sand. Oh, I've seen so many. I've They're been... hilarious. Like, uh, like oh, I, I feel like uh-huh. you, this is one of the prequels that you can actually enjoy both, unironically and ironically, ironically, because there's such there's an equal amount of like just nonsense, nonsense and... as there is. Yeah, my just, like, my my favorite uh, interpretation of Render the Sith is the one that was translated into Mandarin. Yeah. It is so funny. Good. It's called uh, 
Oh, something backstroke of the West is the, is the name. <laughs> yeah, 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 it, yeah. it is. It is hilarious. The translation. It's just like it's just such nonsense. It's so funny. Yeah. Okay, so on to your number seven. Yes, um, I don't really have a lot to say about this one either. Uh, solo. Yeah, oh, so much me Solo is also my seven. <laughs> yeah, I cool. <laughs> we can agree on something. I like. I really like this movie though. I think this movie gets a really bad rap. Mm. I think this movie is just a fun adventure heist movie. I really don't have any problems with this movie. Literally none. I think it's just a fun, good time at mm. the movies. It's just light. Yeah, that's it. That's that's about what I was, <laughs> what like, I was expecting out of this movie, and I think it's funny that we talk about um, Rogue One having so many behind the scenes issues and it really showing. This it doesn't, but um, it has the most. It, ha- it had so much behind-the-scenes <laughs> yeah. drama. Uh, it was originally supposed to be directed by um, the Lord Phil Lord and Chris Miller, Miller yeah. mm-hmm. who did... Um, the Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse. Uh, 21 Jump Street. Yes, uh, Lego Movie. So, comedy directors. I think also they, they did stuff with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is an awesome, awesome show. Mm-hmm. But um, they ended up getting canceled. They canceled. They got canceled. They ended up getting fired because they had creative differences with Disney, and they brought on Ron Howard, uh, who's still a great director. Industry veteran, you know, friend of George Lucas. Right, has been a collaborator with George Lucas since 73. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't show. It doesn't like, it show is, is such all. a surprisingly cohesive, fun movie. Alden Ehrenreich, I heard rumors that they tried to get him an acting coach. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if like, those were... But, like, I think... He encapsulates Han Solo for me so, so well. Well, like, he doesn't. It, it's not like you'll see a lot of movies that are like biopics or something that try to portray a famous person, and they're doing more so an impression than an actual uh, embodiment of that person. I feel like this is such an embodiment of who Han Solo was—just a young Han Solo, this scruffy, mm-hmm. you know, hard on his luck guy who is just, like, tr- trying to do his best. Yeah, it's before yeah. it's before he's really jaded, as he is in A New Hope. Yeah. And I love seeing he still has, like, there's this spark of light in him right. that, that comes back in the original trilogy as he becomes friends with Luke and Leia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, when you meet him in, in A New Hope, he's just, yeah. like, he's done with it. He's like, there's no force, you know, you guys are crazy. Yeah. I don't want to deal with any of this nonsense, rebellion, whatever. But in this movie, he still has that young plucky it's a lot it's it's a lot like young Indiana Jones in the beginning mm-hmm. of The Last Crusade yeah, that's yeah. what I liken it to it's a lot like River Phoenix portraying um, also Harrison Ford <laughs> uh, I, I see parallels there I think right. I think they're on par with They. it's not an impression it's just an embodiment of what that character is exactly he doesn't try to replicate Harrison Ford's voice he doesn't try to he just, just does his thing. he's that character yeah, yeah. And it, he, it, it works out super super well uh, Donald Glover's like always yeah. great. He's great, dude. He's so good in that movie, yeah. and all of the stuff with between uh, Han and Lando is just yeah. gold. When yeah. they're playing, that's all the Sabacc games are yeah. so funny. I I have a good time with this movie mm. every time I watch it. Like Rogue One, talking about rewatching it, I'm bored sometimes. Mm. I'm never bored in Solo. I love Woody Harrelson's performance. I love Paul Bettany. For me, is like a s- surprise standout. Mm. Like he was added super late. He was a he was a total Ron Howard creation. That character was never in Lord mm. Miller. He was all added late, and it just flows so well mm. for me. It just works so well. He's a super cool character. Uh, Kira, I like. Um, 
if there's one if there's one Disney Plus show that I want, it's a continuation of this story. Yeah. With the same characters. I believe they were setting up for a sequel, but people didn't like it. I don't know. I don't think it's people didn't yeah. like it. It just didn't make money. Yeah. It came yeah. out. It came out May. Like May. It. it came out in between Avengers: Infinity War <laughs> and Deadpool two. Six months or five months after the most divisive Star Wars movie of all time. Like this movie was set up to fail. There yeah. was no way. <laughs> How was it going to compete against freaking Avengers: Infinity War? There's no way it would have. Yeah. So it just. It should have been. It should have been a December movie. It shouldn't have been in May. I don't know mm-hmm. why they switched yeah. it back. Because I don't think people really have a problem with the movie. It's just it didn't make any money. So I, yeah, if there's one show on Disney Plus that I want, it's Olden Ehrenreich, Donald Glover, <laughs> and yeah. Ray Park reprising their roles as Darth Maul. And I just want to see the crime syndicate. I want to see, I loved seeing Darth Maul too, because mm-hmm. that was right. such a, that's not like something I ever expected to see a tie-in to those Clone Wars and Rebel shows so so directly because mm. for people who just watched the movies Darth Maul died in 1999 they don't know he came back they don't know who he became he became a crime boss mm. but when you're watching the movie it just if you're a fan of all that mm. extra content canon yeah. content it fits so well and I was just so stunned in the theater that they were they had the balls to do that for something that the general audience probably really doesn't know about mm. but it's a pretty big part of the movie and it's like that's so awesome. Yeah. So to see that story continued, because it's so clearly was set up for a sequel, to see that story continued, I think it really does lend itself to television, the way that movie is formatted. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for any sort of potential continuation of those characters' stories in that time period at all. Because I just love, it's so fun and light. I can't say it enough. It's yeah. just, I have really no problems with the movie. It's just a good time all the way through. Mm. I like this movie family because Hansel is like my second favorite character in all of the series. And there are a lot of stuff in from original trilogy that they give context for, like the whole Han, Han and Lando's bet for Millennium Falcon. That's a good thing. And also the 14 Parsec run. Yeah. Mm. I love that even in the movie he starts lying about it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if not if you round down, no, he, yeah. he tells he tells the guy on like, the, the the mute people. He puts his hand there. He's like, yeah. you know, I just ran the Kessel Run, and like they he doesn't care. Yeah. It's like no one cares. It's just Han Solo yeah. being Han Solo. I love. I just love the 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 essence of the movie. Mm-hmm. I really do. So oh. <laughs> I'm alone. Yeah. Han <laughs> Solo. <laughs> yeah, I see. I I like that. People people give that. That's his namesake is something that is so criticized. That's the one thing I think we would really criticize if you mm. don't like Solo. But I think that's like the ultimate Han move is he yeah. just doesn't care that much about his name that this mm. random guy just gives him his name. He's like, yeah, whatever. Perfectly fits with Han's character, to be honest. Yeah, it's something like, yeah, yeah, that Han would do. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just kind of a cute hallmark. Like, yeah. yeah he just, he's sure. Just like, whatever. Why not? Sure, why not? <laughs> and that's a show Han and Chewie meeting for the first time. It was so good. Ah, that all that stuff. That's my favorite sequence in the movie. Is everything on the planet is called Mimban mm-hmm. when he's still in the, he's in the Empire and it's just like this. It's almost like World War One. They're in the trenches and mm-hmm. it's just this. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, that is just so cool. Yeah. Like this is a. It felt more like a war movie than Rogue One in that <laughs> moment for me. It was just this intense, really, down to earth, just war. It's like wow, this is, whew, it's brutal, and I I love the the crew being there. That whole sequence of everything from then to the train heist is like just gold. It's just like Star yeah. Wars gold. It's so much fun. There's nothing bad mm-hmm. about it. There's cool Star Wars references, and it's just so it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. People give it a bad rep for having too many twists and turns, like too many people backstabbing each other. But I, I guess that's the point of the movie. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's what makes Han Solo the way he is. Yeah. You know, watching... He meets Rio and he meets Val, which I think are both really fun characters. Mm-hmm. And then they die right in front of him. <laughs> and he's like, oh my god, you know, maybe this <laughs> this is going to get intense. And then Beckett betrays him. Mm-hmm. But you know, he was he was ahead of the game. And he, it, Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just like it. it it's, yeah, that, that's how I feel. It's just it's just fun. And I, I'll just, like, throw it on if I feel like it. Yeah, it's, it's just a positive. Like, yeah. That's cool that we all have it in the same spot. Yeah. Uh, so number six. My number six was episode three, which we covered. Or my, your yeah, number six. My six is Star Wars episode seven, The Force Awakens. That's my number five, though. That's my number four. So yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll all cover it now. Yeah. So The Force Awakens. It was the return of Star Wars. It was basically people. You know, people. It's it's hindsight is twenty twenty. When Disney bought Star Wars, Star Wars movies were not popular people it was the height of people mm. just ripping into the prequels the prequels were universally hated there was no now that a lot of us have grown up who grew up with the prequels um, would like them as kids are able to see what George Lucas was going because we were the target audience then we mm. see what, the, what the, it was what he was trying to go for but th- then in like 2012 when they bought it hated no one liked the prequels mm-hmm. so they were like we gotta get as far away from that as possible mm-hmm. so I think The Force Awakens is the product of that mindset of we need to go back to the way things were and that's this is more of a behind the scenes gripe I have of them people get mad about them pushing away George Lucas but he was responsible for killing Star Wars at the time before Ryan Johnson killed Star Wars George Lucas killed Star Wars people yeah, true, true. people hated George Lucas for what he did to Star Wars he ruined it for people <laughs> and or yeah obviously not for me but for some people like episode 2 that was their last Jedi that was oh my god what has become of Star Wars mm-hmm. it was Phantom Menace it was Revenge of the Sith so it's so it's totally logical for me that Disney was like we appreciate what you've done, but we don't want your ideas because you, you have you have caused so much pain for so much. But people. I guess George Lucas didn't even want to continue with the project. He was like, "I'm done with Star Wars." Yeah, but it's hard. For, you know, this this is a whole other behind the scenes conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, this movie feels like the product of that mindset of we need to make Star Wars. Not not what it was again, but just. We, we need to get away from the prequels. Yeah. We need more like the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that is what this movie is. And as a fan of all Star Wars, I like it all connecting. Mm. And I feel like this movie is just... Well, it is episode seven, after all. It is a direct sequel to episode six. Mm. But it really just ignores one through three. And I feel like there's no themes carried over from them, which The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, I think, do have. Because they realize, okay, by the time 2015 came around the prequels were back in favor. People were like, okay, the prequels, you know, we joke about them now, but there are mm-hmm. good themes there. There is something to like. There is message. Mm-hmm. So by Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams' second attempt, those themes are back in. But for The Force Awakens, I feel like they're not there at all. So that's that's my biggest drawback is it feels disconnected. It feels like it's mm-hmm. 7 and uh, 4, 5, 6 are just their own thing. Whereas yeah. you can view it. You can view it now in all, in all, in the whole nine or I guess eleven film saga, but seven just feel it felt isolated initially. True. I get that, but I th- I think in seeing how the entire the entire sequel trilogy played out, like whether you like to admit it or not, like there is some coherency about it. Not 
in, in, my, in my opinion, not like a ton. There's a lot that could have been way, way better in terms of how it ended with Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. But similar to the way the prequels, the prequel trilogy is structured, I think a lot of those themes, uh, there's some hints in, in one and two, and it's really in three. Uh, this is more like there's some hints. There's so many hints. There's so many things. JJ just threw like everything at the wall. There's some hints in, in seven. A lot in eight because that's what eight is, and then yeah. argue you could argue nine has them or, or not. But I feel like when you think about like Kylo Ren and his internal struggle and him, you know, going, uh, he's like, I don't know if I have the strength to do, do it. to do it. He throws that lightsaber away in nine, and I love yeah. that scene. That is that is a good uh, cohesive moment that yeah. ends up for me. Know, it's paying like off, but undeniable that the two are connected. Just because JJ made seven and he made nine, he bookends the trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think he knows yeah. what he was going for in seven, so I think he's able to do what he wanted with nine. Mm-hmm. Sure, it true. does yeah. feel that nine. I do feel like nine could have gotten the, even though I don't think it would have been right. It could have gotten the Hunger Games treatment or Harry Potter treatment of. It could have been two movies. Like it felt like he fit. His own True. episode, like, 8.5 into the beginning, 40 minutes, and then did episode 9. Like, he could have had more yeah, time. Mm-hmm. But I think for what we got... It could have been, like, a three and a half hour. It could have been, like, three and a half hours, yes. Yeah. Which I'm very excited for the deleted scene. I, I hope there's a, a lot more for this movie that was left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. But especially with Carrie Fisher's death, mm-hmm. I think he did the best he could for what he wanted to get over in 7. But to talk about episode 7 still... This is the movie where I feel like it was JJ just throwing everything at the wall, and because he, he thought he wasn't coming back to it, so he was like, "You guys can just, you know, yeah. take 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 away from this what you will." Mm-hmm. But he he laid out so many threads with yeah, all the characters. He originally they uh, Disney approached him, and they, he originally rejected the three. three. Yeah, he yeah. He, yeah. He's like, uh, I don't want to do that, but yeah. he, but he still set up so much. I think it's the best possible version of what it is. Yeah, what it what it I had used to the think, capability of being. I mean, um, so. When I first saw it, I really liked it. Like looking, at, if you judge the movie by, it's the start of a trilogy. It's a good movie, but looking back at it, I'm uh, I'm still conv- not convinced. Like, what was the point of these many threads, as you say? Like, what's the point of uh, Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber calling away? They don't did. Like, Ryan Johnson didn't go with some of them, and um, some of them were not continued. And it's now looking back at it, I'm like, um. There were a lot of potential for it that could have been gone, but didn't go. Well, I think if you want to talk about why Anakin, because she's a true Skywalker. Yeah, but like she is a Skywalker by action. She's a Skywalker by nature, and just like mm-hmm. Snoke says, I get that point, but didn't continue it in the other other movies, episode eight and nine. I mean, I think the Skywalker blade calls to her, and then by the end of the movies, she has made her own blade. She's made her mm-hmm. own way, but she is a Skywalker now in action. Okay. So I I, I see that. But for me, my four, five, and six on my list flip around a lot. Because mm-hmm. The Force Awakens, I think, even though I like it a lot, is my least favorite sequel movie. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think it's better than A New Hope. Sometimes I think it's a better version of A New Hope. But I've had that feeling sometimes. Yeah, like, it feels a lot like New Hope. I well, mean, it is, is by, by design. Like, it was intentional to make make it this similar, you know, we're back in Star Wars because there hadn't been a universally loved Star Wars movie mm-hmm. for, like, 40 years. <laughs> so they were like, we gotta, we gotta recapture this. So I understand why it's so similar. But sometimes I feel it's done better than the original. But sometimes I'm like, like, right now it's my number six and A New Hope is higher. But mm-hmm. I can, my, my 
my four, five, and six are they just flip around. I think no, I've had that exact same thought in my mind. I'm like this oftentimes seems like a better version of the New Hope because at least from a technical standpoint, those first thirty minutes are so they're so tightly constructed. Mm -hmm. constructed. Oh god, yeah, like it is. um, Like they'll go from Finn, he takes his helmet off, and then it'll be a cut of. Mm Uh, of Ray and it's 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 so tight and so so such good visual everything, storytelling. Everything from the crawl until Ray and Finn get to the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. or like with meet up with Han and Chewie, mm-hmm. is like perfect. Perfect Star Wars. Yeah, it's just like yeah. snappy, True. tight. It's just it's all right there. Yeah, there's nothing. There's almost nothing wrong. That, that's how that those forty minutes or whatever is how I feel about Solo mm-hmm. the whole time. Like that's the same feeling I have in Solo. Of it's just like there's it's just light and fun. There's nothing. That I have a problem with mm, in yeah. those in those forty minutes. Yeah, um, I like the way they handle. Uh, so they show a fight in the Millennium Falcon against the two Tie Fighters. I guess that's the my, that's the only good dog fight in the whole Star Wars series. I mean, you have so many spaceships, but they never used it so much. In like, but they use it in this movie. That's what I like. Yeah, I. To go back on that point, like I for me, uh, New Hope is my three, and Force Awakens is my four, mm-hmm. and I think ultimately when I when I think about it, like uh, New Hope is like miraculous that it exists, and you kind of have to respect it for its charm and mm-hmm. its imperfections. Yeah, my, yeah. And I think that I I understand like four might feel like a little bit more manufactured because it mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Uh, but there's something there's something so damn impressive about what they were able to. Sometimes do. I want to just remove episode four from my list entirely because mm-hmm. the my feelings about episode four I liken it to how Luke that that scene where Luke is staring at the twin sons, mm-hmm. like that encapsulate that encapsulates the whole thing. It's like this is where we are but it's about the journey where we will go. Like, this is the start, this is the genesis, but everything after it, that's where the adventure is, you know? It's like, episode four is the start, but it's just, it's so unique, it's such its own thing, and like, that journey that comes out of episode four, what, Star Wars wasn't Star Wars in episode one, episode four came out, it was just this movie. It's all about what episode four became, what what it gave birth to, that was what we love. So it's almost its own thing in my mind. Like, it's just its own separate thing. Because when I, when I watched episode four, I then just watched five and six and was like, these two movies I like more than episode four. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't there in 1977. I, have to, I didn't have to wait three years. I, I didn't have time to fall in love with it. So for me, it's like episode four is just the jumping off point. It's just the start. But looking at it, I have to look at it now from a, the entire context. That's why I have it higher on my list. Like it is still just a really impressive mm-hmm. movie. It's really, it's just a really tight movie. Mm-hmm. But it's all about what comes after it. So, because of that, Force Awakens did come after it. There would be no Force Awakens without Episode Four. So for mm-hmm. right now, Force Awakens is below. But Force Awakens does have a, a tighter and more consistent feel to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Especially if we're talking about Special Edition Episode Four, mm-hmm. Force Awakens is above it. If we're talking yeah. about the original episode four, that's where I get convoluted. But there's no contest between special edition episode four and Force Awakens. Force Awakens is way more coherent than special edition. Yeah, true. Yeah, no. I, it, again, to reiterate, is the best possible version to me of what it could have been. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Uh, the I, Kylo Ren, like I said, this is my least favorite sequel. I like Kylo Ren the least in episode seven. 
but the fight in the forest between him mm-hmm. and Ray is just awesome. Like it's it's visually stunning. Mm-hmm. It's just visceral. It, after the prequels of high choreography, mm-hmm. that's what I love about the sequels. It perfectly blends original trilogy fighting style and prequel trilogy fighting style. Mm-hmm. In all of Ray and Kylo Ren's fights, they get visibly tired. It's like they're swinging swords. This, yeah, no, and they get so like raw and animalistic. They get especially mm-hmm. at the end. Sorry, especially especially at the end when it's like uh, Finn just like whacking. Yeah, yeah, Kylo Ren. He's like he's just. It's there's so much emotion like, behind that. Everyone who wields a lightsaber, they get exhausted, and yeah. it's, you can see it, and I love it. But mm-hmm. like Rise, but in Rise of Skywalker, especially, you still have that. But there are the cool prequel jumps and flips, but they just feel more grounded and real. Mm-hmm. Like the prequels, super choreographed and it's visually stunning, but it's like that's not really like a look, mm-hmm. like a real fight. Where the sequels, I think, is like the perfect fighting. It's it feels gritty, but it's also fantastical. And like when Kylo Ren walks through that wave in the Rise of Skywalker, and they're just both exhausted and just wailing on each other, I love that scene. Like it's just, I love the evolution of the fighting style between the three trilogies because it's very different it's a lot like the the sequel trilogy is a lot like episode 6 throne room Luke versus Vader in, mm-hmm. in, in, its, in its heart in its essence and that's what I like mm-hmm. so this movie like you said I think it's a really good start for a trilogy mm-hmm. but it's my least favorite of this trilogy so it's my number 6 gotcha Ooh. So, so my number 6 wait have you got my one? number 6 was yeah. episode 3 number 5 was episode 7 Got it. So, so my episode six is Return of the Jedi. There you go. Yeah. So I've we you know you, you talk about it. Um, sure. So I guess I feel a similar way about this as I do with Rogue One, but with it's not like that at all though, because Rogue One I, I don't feel anything. Mm. And by the end of it, I think Return of the Jedi has probably the strongest ending of like almost any Star Wars movie. Yep. I think that's pretty unanimous, mm-hmm. but also the first two thirds are, are still decent and fun. And I just don't have it as nearly as much of a connection with those first two parts of it as mm-hmm. I do the last. This movie is freaking bizarre. When you look at it as a movie, it is the most strange layout of any movie I've ever seen. It's like the, a short first act and then one long third act. There is no second act to this movie. No, there is no. a weird side adventure on Tatooine where they go rescue Han that could have been done mm-hmm. off screen really it could have like it takes up a, really has nothing to do with the rest of the movie it just, it's just it takes that scene. so long it's just this like 40 minute sequence and then they're on Endor and the end of the movie like yeah. it, it's so bizarre how put together this the way this movie fits together and Return of the Jedi is the the movie on my list that has moved I think the most up and down and up and down and up mm-hmm. and down because sometimes, like in 2016, I want to say, I really just did not like this movie. Like, I felt mm-hmm. I was disappointed in this movie when I was rediscovering the original trilogy. I was like, wow. The Emperor just said he sent his best Legion of Stormtroopers to Endor, and they got beaten by a bunch of bears. <laughs> like, this, they're like, what is going on? And it's just like, what is happening? And I used to hate the fact that the Emperor was like, look, Luke, at this space battle. And they wouldn't show the space battle. He'd be like, look at it. <laughs> and they're standing there in the window. I was like, show it, please. I want to see it. And it just felt like a lot of just, just empty scenes. And I was like, ugh, I didn't like it. Mm. But then I remembered, just as a kid, like, I think episode six is the one I watched the most. I would play that intro 40 minutes over and over and over again. Mm. I love everything on Jabba's sail barge and the Sarlacc pit. And it just, it, it, it grew on me again. As I rediscovered the original trilogy, I was like, 
but I like the themes. I like the just it's fun. It's light in nature, which I keep going back to that. That's what I like about Star Wars. It it has these heady themes that you can really think about and dive into. But you don't have to. But you don't have to. You can also just sit and really enjoy a fun adventure. Hmm. Um, and I used to think, I'm not used to, but famously Harrison Ford wanted to die in episode five. Five, yeah. And his performance in six, I love, but sometimes it feels like he's phoning it in, but sometimes he doesn't. And like, I go, I go back and forth on that. Hmm. But over time, I've grown to love Return of the Jedi more and more, especially for everything between Luke and Vader in the end. It's just, like, when he looks at his hand, when Luke looks at his own hand and looks at his father's mm-hmm. hand that's also been cut off and it's, they're, they're both robots, mm-hmm. and he's like, I, I, is this what I'm going to become? That is just such a powerful moment to me that the rest of the movie doesn't, like, it's just, oof. There's such good stuff. and But it's... I feel you. I, it could be my number five. It could be number six, but it could also be my number two. Like, mm-hmm. it used to be my favorite of the original trilogy. It's not anymore, but, like, it, it moves around a lot. There's a lot going on in Return of the Jedi just because of how, like I said before, it is such a weirdly put-together movie. It's very hard to analyze. Mm-hmm. It's number four for me, and I thought it was a good, it was a good ending to the trilogy, in my opinion. Um, I like the whole saga between Luke and Darth Vader. That's the that's my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lightsaber, the ending fight was so good. Uh, it's so emotional, to be honest. When like Luke is fighting with, uh, and it also shows Vader's turn of events. And then, do you remember the scene where like Luke lifts up Vader's helmet and he sees that? So emotional. Um, I guess the rest of the movie kind of falls. Mm, it's not that good, I would say. Uh, I mean, the, I don't like the Ewoks in general. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. And I could definitely do without the special yeah. edition <laughs> shot of Naboo and the Gungan going, we said gonna be free. Oh God, it gets me every time. Like, uh, why did you put that in the movie? But, I think, I think, um, unlike Rogue One, I know I keep comparing it to Rogue One, but unlike Rogue One, I think it really benefits from having pre-established characters that I true. care about in being a final, uh, the, the final chapter in this trilogy because... I think you can very clearly tell they just really need to get to that last mm-hmm. throne room fight. Yeah. And that is the crux and the heart of this movie, uh, 100%. I think everything there is so fantastic and so heartfelt and so powerful. Uh, but it just, it just <laughs> they're really desperate to get there. And I, uh, the rest of it, I don't feel myself nearly as invested. Even in the fun stuff with uh, them trying to rescue Han um, from the Carbonite, it's just like... Okay, yeah, like let's just speed this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned that Han like wanted to die, and I think all of his all of his lines are so annoyed and so uh, yeah. He just Harrison uh, Ford is just he's like, wow, I'm still here. <laughs> I he's like he clearly does not give more of a shit, but or could not, and it's 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 funny, but in a um, in an avert way, like. Like, it shouldn't have been good, his performance, but, but it's it, just Harrison but, but, Ford. But because so. of it, it gives it so much more weight. Like, so when, much more character. When Han goes, hey, it's me, and he sort of lifts his hands like that. I mean, right. it's so it's so Han, but it's also just Harrison Ford mm. being Harrison right. Ford. But also Han just, like, kind of is yeah. him in yeah. a slightly exaggerated form. It's, so. It's, yeah, so it worked to the movie's benefit, I think. Yeah. But you can definitely see it. And I don't know, 
God, to this day, it still stuns me that Boba Fett is a loved character. He yeah. goes out like a yeah, bitch. He does nothing in the movies. Why? <laughs> he, he's the worst. He just turns around like a Boba Fett, and he dies, and he falls into the starlight. A character that was introduced in the holiday special yeah, that yeah. everyone just goes crazy about. I don't. I don't really get him either. Is he? Is he a, an important character in any other material? Or like? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's well, supposed to be a badass in other material. Well, he's like. well, he's given more to do, and you know, obviously with the prequels, seeing him young mm-hmm. and him being a clone and there's a lot to, for him to do in the Clone Wars show. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. but Boba Fett in the movies, no, he doesn't do anything. But right. Boba Fett in the extended stuff, yes, he is this great bounty hunter. I like Jango Fett. I like Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. He is, he is this cool character, but only after the fact. I mean, I'm because I do love Boba Fett. I just mean, how, how did people like him then? <laughs> like, in the movie. Like, there was nothing else besides these movies and he did not I guess because like of Empire. Yeah, I guess. Empire He's cool in Empire. Stood in the background for yeah. a couple he scenes. Shot Louis, he shot at Luke, you know. <laughs> he shot around that corner. He gives. He gets one shot in. Yeah. He's kind of like the Snake Eyes, if you have seen G.I. Uh, yeah. Joe. He's kind of like Snake Eyes, like, little speed. Kind of like a badass, that thing. I guess people like that, those characters nowadays. Yeah, I, you know, I, I of course, I love both. I love every Star Wars character. Or not every Star Wars, but most Star Wars characters. But... Yeah, I think Boba Fett is cool now, but I just, I always, I always find that so funny that in Return of the Jedi, he really does nothing and then has the most ridiculous death. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's so, trying to be underused in my opinion. Yeah, he's really underused. I just think, uh, I think that's funny. But, uh, yeah, so Return of the Jedi was your number, your number five? My number six. Mine was number four. It, so, what is your, have you gone through your number six? Yeah, five? my number yeah. six was episode three, number five was episode seven, number four was episode uh, six. Okay. Okay. So, so we're on to my five. My five is Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And I think this movie is super fast, super fast-paced. I think regardless of the second viewing and me slowing it down, like I just there's so much in this movie that I just love. There's no other way to put it. Like the intro, okay, just the way it ties into everything. Like the intro with Kylo Ren on Mustafar is so good. I love those shots. Like, you don't really know. It's, it sucks that they don't make it clear that it's Mustafar, yeah. but it's, at, like, it's yeah. at Vader's castle in Rogue One. Like, that's where he is. And there's just, it's, like, super cool connections like that. And it just looks beautiful. I think J.J. Abrams does a great job of making things look great. But it's, the, it's just pulpy and light and fun. I keep saying that, but that's what I love about Star Wars is it has those themes. It, con- it continues the themes. We've been talking about themes this whole time. Mm-hmm. From episode one all the way to nine, I see the themes, just for me anyway. I just think it's the most fun Star Wars movie. It is the just most adventure-filled, just we're going on this adventure, here we go. It's very Return of the Jedi in that way. Uh, it's, it's a lot mm-hmm. like the first 40 minutes of Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I like that people, people liken it to uh, fetch quests in a video game. It's a lot like a video game. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it, that, that plot likens itself to the adventurous nature of the sequel trilogy. I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't feel like a fetch quest when it's like the conclusive final chapter in the saga, though. You know what I mean? Well, you, but it, I just mean in the in the Return of the Jedi, in the adventure bits, because that's what an adventure is. You know, you're going to because it's not a fetch quest in the third act. There's no fetch. There's nothing fetch quest about it. But I just mean in the beginning. I just find it fun. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it being a, with them trying to find these MacGuffins. I don't know. I think it's fun. It's super <laughs> fun and light. Yeah, but I don't think that uh, the, that MacGuffin Mac wasn't introduced in episode, any of the episodes 7 or 8. It's just introduced now. And we're supposed to care about it now. 
doesn't make sense that to me. What are you talking about? Uh, the one, the, the tracker they're trying to find, right? The what? They want to try. They want to find Palpatine. Oh well, they're trying to. There's a lot of things they're trying to get, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, they didn't. They didn't set it up quite correctly in episode eight. That's my problem. Well, I don't really think there's anything to set up from eight. I don't think nine. I don't blame eight at all for how this yeah. turned out. I don't think I don't. I mean, think for me, episode nine is the best they could do. I mean, the sequels lack a lot of consistency in my opinion. Oh, see, I think honestly, I think the sequels might be the most. Well, I think the second most consistent to the prequels. I think the prequels are the most consistent because mm-hmm. George wrote and directed every single one. There was no one else's voice involved. Mm-hmm. But I think the sequels are. The, I think the original trilogy is the least consistent of the of the trilogies. Really? Yeah, because it was totally being made by the by the seat of their pants. They didn't know if it was going to succeed. They were just like, we got something here. And for me, of course, I love the original trilogy, but each each of those movies is very different. Very different. I mean... Yeah, but thematically, I feel like it, yeah. it flows super well. It flows, but I, mean, I, think I just mean in terms of the way the films are, they're not consistent. I don't think they're... Con- like, Empire is a way better movie than Return of the Jedi or A New Hope. Like, that, oh, that yeah, just, sure. Yeah, I mean, like, they're better in... It's right. way darker. When I think way, when I when we talk about consistency, I mean mostly with like if it follows through things and things are wrapped up and it's conclusive. I feel like in that sense, like I guess, you know, obviously Force Awakens and Last Jedi are very different movies, but I feel like those are consistent with what they're going for. Mm, I think that and like there is a third line that can, that you know goes goes there and I feel like I don't know. I really don't like the way that this just sort of backs it up yeah. and is like, okay, let's just go yeah. back to the way things were because that's the safe route. Mm-hmm. Because I, f- I felt like, okay, there's the famous George Lucas line that where he's talking about the prequels and oh, it rhymes. It's, it's like poetry. poetry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was scared that they were going to just do. When I heard about the sequel trilogy and was getting invested in the series, I was like, I really hope they don't just do like the mm-hmm. same thing over and over again. And it felt like you talk about it being a fun adventure, like Return of the Jedi, and I felt like. Well, what it really excited me the first time I saw Last Jedi, and I, and I was like, it's it's not just Empire mm-hmm. again. Yeah, it's different. And I love Force Awakens, but I'm like, okay. But I don't I'm think glad. I don't think The Rise of Skywalker is like. When I say it's like Return of the Jedi, I don't mean it's. When I say The Force Awakens is like uh, A New Hope, I mean like in the way the movie is composed. Like it has plot beats that are the same, it has mm-hmm. shots that are the same, it has scenes that are the same. I think The Rise of Skywalker is its own thing. I think that movie is its own creation. I think seven and eight or eight and nine rather are totally their own unique entries into, yep, into the song. Sure. Done. But I, uh, I don't entirely agree with that. <laughs> and I know that like, I'm the, I'm the one that has it lowest. I'm the one who has it at the bottom, mm. but I just, uh, maybe I could be looking at it too cynically because I only ever saw it once and it just got worse for me. The more I thought, if I had only it. seen it once, I, it would be like my nine probably. Cause I didn't like it that much after the first time I saw it. It took me multiple viewings to really see what JJ was going for. Like I saw, I just saw what. Like I do believe that he he put effort in this movie. He it wasn't just like ah, we got to finish this thing. I think he cared about episode seven and he he cared about episode nine. Like he wanted to complete these characters' arcs, and I think he did for the most part. I don't I don't deny that. I don't think he was like trying to just like write off like okay, here's how we're just gonna end it. But it also feels. I don't. There's there's just something so jarring. Uh, at first, like okay, I, I get we talk about the um, the fast pace, but literally, 
I felt like motion sickness in this movie. I didn't watch it in any other condition other than like the 2D that I always see because 3D is a gimmick that I don't like. But like I just I've never felt like that much of an assault on my senses where I literally like felt physically repulsed by a lot of it. Really? Wow. Yeah, I was like that's this way too like in the first 45 minutes I felt like I was getting like this migraine. I was like I do not care. It felt like Return of the Jedi, but like on steroids. Mm-hmm. I'm like I this is not a fun viewing experience for me and I felt like at the end of it there's so many things that were just like okay it's done so I keep saying cynically but it was it felt like it was done so cynically whether you know you say J.J. Abrams cared about it or not like I felt like they just wanted it to be over with like let's just pack as much as we can Mm -hmm. so again to appease as many people and to piss the least amount of people Mm -hmm. off and I, I, I felt like the Ray Skywalker thing was the final nail in the coffin to be like, yeah. okay, here's what's going to make people happy. I was so, if, it, if it had been like just I'm Ray, I would have had such a more positive experience True. about, uh, you know, viewing of that ending. Yeah, it just felt like it was going backwards and I just can't. I, I, I just couldn't. Oh, another thing is you say about it picking up for you on multiple viewings. I feel like with all the Star Wars movies I've seen, mm-hmm. if I just trust my gut instinct the first time, if I had just done that and made that list, uh, how it is, it would have been pretty much how it is now. Oh, yeah. Because like, I adored The Last Jedi when I first saw it. And, like, a part of me was trying to be like, oh, you know, maybe it's not as good because everyone else likes it. But uh, this is just, like, based on my gut, my gut, um, mm-hmm. You know, my gut viewing of it, but also you know, having multiple viewings of it, I feel like they would have been like pretty much the same list. And I, don't, I, don't I can't. Would, I don't think it'd be the same for me. I have to watch movies more than once to really get. No, I mean I I do too, but I feel like in this case there's such a a, a, a visceral proportion that happens with these movies that I like I can't with Star Wars, especially the Last Jedi, uh, which again is my number one. I can't. I couldn't just like deny myself that experience because I saw it the second time. And I was like, "Yeah, I do love this as much as I thought I did." I can't deny that, and I feel like if I went into uh, Rise of Skywalker because that was the first movie I, I first Star Wars movie I saw that I like hated. If I tried to make myself love it, then I'd just be lying to myself. See, I went into Rise of Skywalker with all the negative reviews in my mind, so I yeah. was like trying to convince myself that I didn't like it. So what I, this is what I like. I so I needed to. I was like, no, I really do like this. But to talk about one of your big criticisms, one of the biggest criticism of the movie from reviewers and uh, people alike is the way it picks up from The Last Jedi. But I think J.J. picked it up in the only way he logically could and just ran with it. Like, the biggest thing for me is Rey and Kylo Ren's force bond. Like, in The Last Jedi, uh, water comes from Octo to Kylo Ren, and he feels it on his hand, and he sees that physical matter is moving through the force and their force bond is just so strong I love that bit so they're they're a, it's a quick line but Kylo says they're a dyad in the force so they're a pair you know they are two that are one like they are this they're just this energy between them is so strong and you see that through all three movies like they are connected in a way that's more than just they are two characters like they are connected and their their fights in like the fight on um, on the planets called Kajimi it's where uh it's where Zori Bliss is, is where they go to wipe 3PO's mind. When she is 
when she's in his um, his quarters on his star destroyer, and Kylo Ren is on the streets, and mm-hmm. they're and they're fighting through the Force, yeah. and he hits she hits the beads, and they spill out onto mm-hmm. the floor, or like the helmet comes through, like that stuff is just visually stunning and great. Like as the camera is moving, the set is changing, just as they as they circle each other, like stuff like that is just it just it captures me every time. It's so good looking. And look at what JJ is able to do. Adding to that, uh, the scene where uh, they they Ren holds the ship and then Ray holds the ship. Yeah. And then she puts a lightning. I really like that scene. I mean, I could see why. I could just now feel like okay, yeah, Ray's too powerful, but that's fine with me. Hers like her scream of like anguish about yeah. Chewie, and her like slowly walking away is the most emotional I think I've seen. I see Ray in the whole trilogy. Like she just. Daisy really does a great job of just looking like she's been defeated. Just all the dynamics between Kylo Ren and Rey, I just think are consistent throughout the whole the whole thing. Um, maybe I'm not articulating that well, but I really do think The Rise of Skywalker picks up on what The Last Jedi put out. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the best they could do, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see what... And I agree with Jim when he says that. Okay, now they want Palpatine. People want Palpatine now. Let's give them that. People want this. Let's give them that. People want a good find. Give them that. I see. I'm not. I it just. It felt like it was a vessel to use because they had no other ideas. Yeah. And I. I talk about it being like poetry, or like that was Lucas's original plan. Mm-hmm. It felt like Last Jedi was the one that finally deviated from that. So I thought we were going to continue mm-hmm. with that path, and I thought that was so cool. I loved that. I, I didn't want it to just be the same thing over again. Not saying it was the same thing over again, but it felt like they're teasing those same plot points and those same characters to you know, do something that we've, we've already kind of seen before, but to a lesser extent and to, with a lesser quality. Yeah, see, I thought that The Last Jedi was just another line in the poem. I thought the, the poetry thing is continuing, and I think with a poem, it has to rhyme, you know? And the, I think The Rise of Skywalker is is the line that is written that rhymes. I think it fits in. I think there's no... Like, you talk about it being a vessel to make fans happy, but I think thematically that's just where it had to go. I think that's just the logical step-by-step conclusion of these characters through each movie of how they evolve, especially from The Last Jedi for me, for Kylo Ren and Rey. Like, I just think that's that's where those characters go. I don't see them going any other place. I, I understand, but, like, I'm trying my best to view this from the lens of this sequel trilogy not the greater thing as a whole mm-hmm. and when I, when I say it rhymes I mean with the greater series as a whole so it's like 1 that's, through, that's three, one through yeah. 3 and then, and then 4, 5, 6 are yeah. like kind of uh, they rhyme in a way because it's like the same uh, story kind of opposite and mm-hmm. then I mean yeah I, I wish it just wasn't yeah there was a lot of stuff that's gonna miss out between 6 and 7 like, why did Han and Leia drift apart? They never explained that. I guess they explained in the books, probably. Yeah, there's never... Well, there, yes, they do a lot in the books about their relationship, but... Mm. Also, it, yeah, there are, like, a bunch of... Like, there's way more unanswered questions that I have about it than I do about, like, any of the other... I mean, obviously, there wasn't going to be a lot of questions about uh, the prequels because we already all knew what was going to happen. happen. But even, yeah. like, with... With six, it was wrapped up really well, and with nine, I feel like they introduce like three different characters that just kind of are there, and they don't get a lot of development. And the, the one character is like maybe Lando's daughter, and uh, I'm like, I I don't know why I care or why I should care. Wait, and Lando's daughter? 
I don't think Jenna is Lando's daughter. Yeah, okay. But that, 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 there are arguments to be made that she could be, but even if she was, I don't think that's, that's what that's about. Because he... I don't know what the point of her character is. Well, it's for, for Finn to see that there are other stormtroopers who who worked against the First Order, like, who had the same... It, it goes that her existence and those stormtroopers rebelling is more about the Force and Finn's own awakening because the Force Awakens has always been it's literally in the title it's the Force Awakening in Rey, Finn, and Kylo Ren the, the, like, that's, that's who it's awakening for mm-hmm. and so this is the Force Awakening Finn he, he, after all this time he said you know at first I didn't really understand it but it's, it's a feeling, it's the force, and it's affecting, it's in everyone. That's the message of The Last Jedi. It's not anyone, everyone has the force, and everyone can use it for good. It's in everybody. Not everyone has access to it like a Jedi does or a Sith does, but it is there, just like in the original trilogy. Yeah, said, but the, the pro- that's the problem with The Rise of Skywalker, that nobody else uses it except for Rey and Kylo Ren. Well, that's place. not true. Finn uses it, Jonna uses it, they all resist. When did Finn use it? Finn uses it the whole movie, man. He's like... He says he, he has feelings all the time. He knows Ray is in the X-Wing leading. He yeah. knows that the mm. signal is coming from the command ship. He's using the okay. force that whole movie. Like, what the uh, continuation for that is probably going to be in the novels is, like... Because what, what did Finn want to tell Ray? Finn wanted to tell Ray that he's, he's force-sensitive. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he wants to train with Ray. Mm. Like, he has the force. Mm. Like, I think that's pretty clear through through the through the movies, that he is coming to terms with the force and his ability with the force like he may not have refined it yet but it's there mm-hmm. so I think I think that message from the last Jedi of anyone can have the force and that's been a message since I think the original trilogy Obi-Wan mm-hmm. describes it it's, it's a life force that binds all things you know it lives in everybody I think that's there all the way to the end especially in the rise of Skywalker yeah but uh, in my opinion it could have been explored more in the movies it's always the force has always been uh, problematic in the movies because in the prequels the midichlorians were too much yeah. and that was too much into the force and George Lucas famously really just likes to overcomplicate it and so in the Clone Wars in the show there's a lot of exploration of the force but that's a TV show you have a lot more time to do it but it's just such a lofty ideal lofty idea of what the force is and what it can be and it's so metaphorical that it's hard to cover explicitly in a movie mm-hmm. I mean they suffered the prequels suffered because of that because they tried to describe it so scientifically and explicitly like this is what the force is and this is what it does when in the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy I like it being more it's in the background and it is the balance that's one of my favorite parts of The Last Jedi actually is Snoke's speech about back when Rey when Rey was no one you know in, in, in the common perception is the dark rises and light to meet it it's like just mm-hmm. like in, in The Last Jedi, it's not always balanced. Like, Anakin brought balance to the Force. Luke says there was balance for a time. In The Rise of Skywalker, Anakin says to Rey, brought, brought, bring balance to the Force like I once did. You know, it is... There isn't... Like, in real life, it's it's the parallel of... World War One wasn't really the war to end all wars. Yeah. Just like Anakin, he he was the chosen one. Like, this... I'm, I'm talking now about... There's a lot of criticisms of The Last Jedi that somehow... The, hmm. Or Last Jedi end... Uh, Rise of Skywalker that it undoes the original mm. trilogy well I don't think it undoes it it's just it ex- it expands upon it like there there isn't just after that event all darkness doesn't go away like the yeah. dark rises and the light to meet it and Snoke says I thought it was going to be Skywalker but it is Rey 
and that alone to me was enough of an exp- explanation. Like Ray is just the embodiment of the light in this mm-hmm. scenario. But the fact that she's a Palpatine and this this new dynamic, I think, adds more to it. That she is this agent mm-hmm. of darkness. She comes from darkness, but she chooses to be light. Like that is the message there. Like she chooses to be like a Skywalker and not like a Palpatine. The two main conflicting parties of this saga, she chooses to be good and not and not evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I think the Rise of Skywalker does continue the themes of the saga. So that's why I like it. I think it does pick up. I can mm-hmm. see why you can think that it doesn't. It doesn't and it's it's sort of a fuck you to Ryan Johnson, but I really I really think it picks up and runs with it. I don't think that it I don't think that it shuts it off. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. That's my so it's a, it's a, it's my number 5. Yeah, no I I would encourage you to watch it again. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I want to. <laughs> Uh, sure, though. I mean, eventually I will see, you know, the whole saga through and through. And, uh, maybe, maybe I'll warm up to it a little bit, but just that gut feeling about it is, like, I just... I don't enjoy it as a movie, and I don't think it connects all that well personally. So, mm. um, yeah, I love all the themes in Last Jedi, and I think we take slightly different things away from Last Jedi. Um I, I like Last Jedi as its own uh, sort of myopic thing hmm. where it's like it, I, I love it as its own movie but I don't know if I don't know how that in context with Star Wars, Force, yeah. Star Wars Force Awakens and, and Rise of Skywalker how that fits because it's not perfect and it's and that's kind of hmm. what I love about it yeah, it's imperfection it's yeah. actually so good yeah hmm. um, no, I, there's some quotes in this that like are literally like my philosophy and it's that's why it hits so well with me um but we'll get into that later because it's my num- it's both our number ones yeah um so you went last and you said that was my five that was your we- five uh my five is revenge of the sith my talked f- about it yeah. like my four mm-hmm. is force awakens mm-hmm. uh, my three is a new hope but that's that's my four my four is we're done with Okay. So it was New Hope, your three? Uh, it's my two. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so... One that started it all. <laughs> yeah, I've, so I've talked about how I feel about this. It is... It's the jumping off point for me. Yeah. So I like what's in it, but I like what came from it more. True. If that makes sense. Yeah. I... I basically feel the same way. I just think I... It's kind of insane to hear about how this was made and what the final product was mm-hmm. because it ended it was this movie that had some whack job ideas that was completely saved in editing or so was so told so was told mm-hmm. um, have you seen Empire of Dreams the documentary I have not no oh that's you should watch that mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all on YouTube now and it's on Amazon Prime but it's I think it came out 2004 or 2005 right before Revenge of the Sith came out and it's just mm-hmm. a, it's about the making of the original trilogy mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's all about just how crazy it was coming, coming, putting this movie together. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at it to a lens that it came out in nineteen thirty-seven, where the movies were like, I mean, Godfather came out at the same time, and it's not, it's a really different kind of movie. The science, the sci-fi genre was not so well defined about that time in movies, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was sci-fi in film before Star Wars was such a more like cerebral, otherworldly thing because yeah. it was like. 
don't get I would push back on the fact that it's sci-fi. I consider it more to be fantasy. It's like sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but like I mean, it's like it's like a what what do they call it? Like sci science fantasy. Yeah, yeah, it's science fantasy. Yeah, because what you're talking about about the period of sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. what really sets it apart, honestly, is John Williams' score that makes it. That's what quote unquote saves it in editing. That's what makes it different from all the rest. Because all the other movies were like. It, it would it would be techy and techno and like you're talking about cerebral like it was all mechanical but John Williams score this is it's an orchestra it's like yeah. this doesn't it shouldn't it shouldn't match but right. it does and it makes it this this fantasy thing like that's what really mm-hmm. cements it for me as being fantasy is that mm-hmm. score yeah no it really is one of the best scores ever written for mm-hmm. a film like there's something so it, this movie literally is lightning in a bottle and kind of I mean, is in a way. I mean, that's John Williams. Like, every one of his scores is so good. I mean, he has done Star Wars, he has done Harry Potter, he has done Superman. Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones, yeah. I think Jurassic, this is, Park. Jurassic Park. I think this is his most, like, influential yeah, by far, true. though. And mm-hmm. I think... Uh, yeah, no, it's something so uncanny. Like, it's so... It's such lightning in a bottle, this movie. Mm-hmm. A funny thing about uh, John Williams' score is The Chamber of Secrets, the second Harry Potter movie, he scored mm-hmm. the first three, came out the same year as uh, Attack of the Clones I swear to you it's the same score it's so funny really? it's literally the same I was watching the Harry Potter movies recently and during the Quidditch match it is the exact same score as the chase on Coruscant in the beginning of episode 2 it's so funny like John Williams he was just crunched for time and was like <laughs> who's gonna notice he's like, he's like who's gonna notice no one but the scores are so similar and it's, it's, it's really funny That's fun. I haven't watched Harry Potter in so long yeah cause it came Star Wars came out in May and Harry Potter came out in November so he uh-huh. finished Star Wars and was like alright we gotta, we gotta turn around and make we gotta make Harry Potter and they're really similar it's really funny mm-hmm. it's just a funny like filmmaking thing that <laughs> you just notice you're like hmm weird <laughs> I think the f- the fact that this movie got made and was so successful is sort of a celebration of cinema itself. Yes. Because I feel like this was such a... It was the blockbuster. Yeah, no, it, and it was such a, a a lofty, ambitious thing that was like all these, all these actors and all the production design and all these risky choices coming together and it just sort of works out. Hmm. Kind of insane that this movie is so weird as it is, yet still became the biggest thing ever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's hard to quantify, especially because none of us were alive then, mm-hmm. just how unique this was. Mm-hmm. But especially just what it became. Because I am so in love with this franchise, but without this movie, there would be none of these other great stories in this fantastical world without this movie. So it's so yeah. hard to just conceptualize how important this first film is. Yeah, no, it's so weird to think because now you see Star Wars as this gigantic franchise that everyone knows about and that is has had so much, broke so much new ground, it had so much impact on pop culture and then to think that it was just this one insular movie. Yeah. It's so weird to think about. It is. It really is. <laughs> and talking about it, it is hard to not avoid we already talked about before, but the special editions of this movie, the 1997 re-release, and then the Bad. 2004 <laughs> re-release. Uh, yeah, you know, it definitely makes it worse. And these days, it is the only version of the movie you can really watch officially. Like, that is the official version now. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, which I think does take away from it a little bit. Especially, like, I'll never, I'll never be able to see that original version in a theater. 
yeah. like that 77 version of the theater. That barely exists anymore. It's yeah. in like the Library of Congress, and that's it. But those special editions, those are the ones we have to, you know, I often think about the list. Like, should I, should I use the special editions as the ones when I think about it? Right now, I'm not. But sometimes, because these are George Lucas's final versions, like this is what he wanted, it's like maybe I should bring these down a peg because right. this is the final version of the film that we do have. And it's like, I don't know. So I, I don't think it takes away from the magic. It does, but not. I'm still able to see what is there. Right. Even though when sometimes literally there is a CGI thing in mm. front of the camera that is blocking. You can just kind of. Blocking yeah. the screen. <laughs> you know, you don't have to have like the, the, the dissonance where it's like, okay. Mm. This is this was this wasn't here. Yeah. This is an addition. If you just think that that, that wasn't there, then like it's fine. <laughs> some things though, I will admit, some things are seamless in their like the final fight above the Death Star. I I don't know. Sometimes I'm like that looks pretty CGI. Like there's more X wings in that fight. There's better shots. Like that looks like it's CGI. But at the same time, it could be a model, and I have no idea. And like yeah, that's I like some of those additions of that mm. final fight giving it more weight but yeah Moss Eisley is the biggest uh, that actually kind of stresses me out because I'm like wait should I know if this because like I can't tell if, Ma- if some of if some of it is like Everything- did they actually do that especially in that final fight I mean yeah it's it's freaking Empire Strikes Back I have no idea if they added stuff mm. I think they did to the Hoth fight but the Hoth fight is timeless yeah even though it's models it, it you cannot tell you cannot tell what is added and what is not. And yeah. I know for a fact that they added shots to that scene. Mm-hmm. And it just looks so good. And so Empire Strikes Back definitely benefits. But yeah, some of the stuff on Tatooine is... Ugh. <laughs> in the first movie. Yeah. yeah but, yeah, yeah. you know, that is besides the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return of the Jedi has the special edition of... I grew up listening. So the Jabba's Palace has... There's a song... That there is sung. There's the yeah. original was Lopty Neck, which is like this crazy, like it was almost like a Michael Jackson '80s beat. And the new one is uh, Jedi Rocks with the you see like you see down the guy's throat and he like gets in the camera and he sings and it's see the yeah yeah it's, it's like ah oh, dude come on it's uh it's it's funny. But growing up with both of those songs, it's so funny to me as a kid. I was like, did this change? I was like, what's different here? Why is it like a rock <laughs> song now? That, that's funny. So um yeah, so that was your. Four or five? That was my four. three. That was my four. It's my four. Mm. Or, or, or you were on your four. Yeah, well, what was your five? Your five was... My five, five was... Return of the Jedi, but No, then, my five was Sith. Oh, and then your four. And my four oh, was okay. Force Awakens. Three it was... Gotcha. Hope. So your... My... F- okay, so my five was Force Awakens. My four was Return of the Jedi. And two was... Um, the New Hope. Okay. The New Hope. My three is Rogue One. Where's Empire on your list? One. Gotcha. There it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It took me a second, too, because yeah. like, we both have I'll last, have last like, Jedi that? as our first. Yeah. No, I would like to add something to Rogue One. Sure. We'll go so, ahead. It's your 30s, then. Yeah. So the one thing I like about it is that it's about some people who are like, nobody's adding a weight to the story. You could have, they have an impact on the story as a whole. And those people are like, who cares about them, as you say? They are like, nobody's. Uh, but they still have an impact. That's what I guess what last year I was trying to convey. And I guess that's what it conveys in Pro 1. Yeah. I mean, it certainly is. You can't 
now that it, it exists, you can't ignore it when watching A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Just because it is. The yeah. crawl of A New Hope and the intro of A New Hope is it's, minutes after. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is what Rogue One set up. So, it is really cool. And it's beautiful how they crafted it to be just at the ending. That's what I like about the story. Like, they took just... Uh, so, the main complaint was that in Force Awakens, they said they got some plans from somewhere for the Death Star. They got the plans, and they made a whole movie to explain that. And that's what I like. To get a small detail and add it to make it such a good film. Especially the, the there being a flaw in the Death Star. I think that's my favorite thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the nature of Galen or so, and the relationship with his daughter, and mm. everything about I mean, that, that Mads Mikkelsen does a great job in that role. Um... But like I said, that's that's also because I had read a book before. Like there's he 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 embodied that character really well. But like there is, I think there is emotion there. I do feel for for Jin when the Death Star has just shot Jedha and everything's mm-hmm. collapsing, and she's listening to that message for her from her father, mm-hmm. who's talking about how you know he's it's been years. He learned to lie, and he's just he's just this broken man who just re- was resigned to his work, or he so or so he claimed and. He worked his whole life to put a flaw in the Death Star. I think that's cool that 40 years later we have an answer to why that exhaust port there is, is there. There is a flaw in the like, Death Star. I think, yeah. I think that alone is pretty cool because that is that complaint. of That was the complaint. It's like, why is there a flaw in Why could it just so, so easily be exploited and, and exploded? Yeah, it's like, it's like, why yeah. do that? And it's like, that's, that's really cool to yeah. have that <laughs> clarity. So I, I, yeah, no, it is, yeah. it is a good explanation. And I'm, I'm glad it exists and I'm glad that yeah, that was the first side story they, they they went with because I feel like that is a common complaint about that first movie. It's like just just why, and they're like, yeah, let's make a whole movie as to why. If the if my favorite movie that I've watched Star Wars movie that I've watched in creative, and like I remember the first time, the last scene when Darth Vader comes in, I get goosebumps every time it comes. Still, in. but the yeah. first time I watched it, I was like, oh shit, this is so good. Yeah, that, that hallway it's a sequence. Great, it's a, it's a, it's horrifying. It's one of the best, um, like I guess, like fan service moments yeah. in the whole series, in and, my opinion. Yeah, and they didn't even like put in like for Force Awakens. They're like, oh, like Force Awakens, and also Rise of Skywalker. They're doing a lot of fan service, and they, but they're advertising it as a fan service. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna get this. You're gonna get this when you're gonna watch it, but you don't expect this from Rogue One. Like, I didn't expect that. And that's what that's why I was sitting back. For I think it's me. so fitting for the very end of that movie. Mm-hmm. And it, eclipsing on to new hope mm. it's like shit <laughs> this is what they this, this is, is what they're gonna have to deal with next yeah. yeah it's good and I like uh, I think the fact that they went with even if it doesn't hold up I talked about this in my Tron Legacy podcast but they went with the CGI target they because the character has yeah. to be there there's no there's no way around the character not being there like, it, would be, it would be way weirder if you weren't there so I appreciate that they went for it put him in the movie and that's one of those like quote unquote fan services things where it doesn't really feel like fan service. It just feels right. It just feels like it should be that way. And that's how I feel about less so with Force Awakens, but certainly in the Rise of Skywalker, where it just, it just feels right. And that's the way I've, you, I guess you feel about Rogue One, where it just it just it just makes sense mm-hmm. that these characters are there or these things are happening. Like I like that little tie that Lando in Rise of Skywalker has. Um, a similar outfit to what he was wearing in Solo. Like I like that. Like I like little little hints like that. Or he has the blaster that he had in Solo. Mm-hmm. Or he has like he has a cane that's shaped like Cloud City. I think that's cool. I just I think a little that stuff like that. That statement is how I feel about Solo. It's like it just feels right. It just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was fan service to you about 
um, Rise of Skywalker? Like, what, what, did, what did they telegraph to you that seemed like fan service? Um, I mean, it had a lot, lot on the nostalgia that, oh, it's going to come. Especially for Force Awakens, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, I think for Force Awakens, it was certainly, especially with all the lead-up in the marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first trailer for that movie was over like a year, it was like a year and a few months mm-hmm. before it came out. Like, there were teasers for that in the Thanksgiving 2014, like with <laughs> Kylo Ren, but then that cross-blade lightsaber and the mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon. and like, that, that, to me, is a lot more fan service than what we got mm-hmm. for The Rise of Skywalker. Just, like as you brought up Lando, he just, he was introduced just because they wanted they want us to see him again. I, I I think he means like with the actual movie, not necessarily with the promotional material. With and I, I think I mean with the actual movie too, like because you were talking about how it, it was telegraphed to you. But I mean, like, yeah, I, it I would mean, be weird if Lando weren't in these new movies. Like I wanted to see him. Mm. Like I think he should have been on Canto Bite. I think that would have been great. Mm. But like I said, I don't want to talk about should-haves and would-haves because it is what we got. Right. But my, my point was that I'm going to expect a lot of uh, references and a lot of callbacks from different movies in this, uh, in the sequel trilogy. But I didn't expect this from Rogue One. Okay, I see what you're saying. But I think Rogue One, it has a similar to The Rise of Skywalker for me, there is a big gap of time in between uh, three and four and then six and seven there's like 30 years between six and seven yeah and to about 20 between yeah, four, uh, three and four but like lines like Lando hunting Jedi hunters with Luke mm. or like old Sith acolytes like that that just sparks my imagination like that's super cool to me that they were having these adventures after episode six ended you know there is this 30 year mm. period where those original trilogy characters were still doing their thing having those adventures like before mm. Luke started his school he was out with Lando Calrissian, mm. you know, mm. prowling the galaxy, doing cool stuff. Like, that. that's fun to me. Like, mm. I feel like it expands a lot of... Or, like, Poe Dameron mm. was running... He was in the New Republic. Before that, he was... When he was a teenager, he was running Spice. He was in a crime syndicate. Like, that, that adds cool layers to me, that there is more going on. There was more before. Mm. Like, mm. Palpatine was out there. He was manipulating things, you know, like that that's cool to me like I, yeah. I like that that it, it gives more because there is that 30 year gap like you talked about earlier how in the movies they don't really explain mm-hmm. why Han and Leia separated and I think if you just look at those two characters you can see that yeah, there, there, were a lot of conflict. That there, there yes. was conflict and they yeah. would separate and maybe they would have that relationship but like just that just that being there I think it always it, there's always Star Wars is a lot about imagination and that I think the Rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker, just like Rogue One with its quote unquote fan service, it gives a lot because I don't. I really don't think there's fan service is such a negative term these days. It's used mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. in a negative context, but I don't think I don't think it inherently is. Like I think there's something good about using these characters. Like it's right. Like this is the universe that we are in. This is what this saga is about. And so Rogue One, just like Rise of Skywalker, I, gives these, like, there is more going on here and these characters still exist and there's other cool stuff going on outside of what you're just seeing on screen. And I feel like, I like it that. needs to make sense, though. Mm-hmm. Like, what you mentioned with, 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 with Han and Leia, like, you don't... Like, that just makes sense that they ended up that way. And I feel like, um... I don't know. There, there is... If it's to make the universe seem greater, then, like, that's a good thing because I feel like there's been a lot of complaints that Star Wars... The main series is very linear, and I, I, I get that is very linear. It's very much the Skywalker saga, but I don't know. You you get what I'm getting at, though. That the fact that it's it should be used to broaden the or like but you you were saying something about, about 
Yeah, and I think it expands the universe. universe. Yeah, because there is... To me, Star Wars, like I said before, is more than just movies. But if you look at them as just movies, then you need those little bits to just expand, you know, the because especially back in the original trilogy, like there was nothing else really sure. at all. So like when Lando Calrissian in Episode Six was like, they promoted me for my maneuver at the Battle <laughs> of Tanab. Like it's just lines like that where you're like, oh, Lando's been doing. You know, there's th- there's a year between uh, Empire and Jedi. Like, yeah, no, there's I, stuff going on there. Like more stuff is happening. Like, these characters get out there in the world. Like, it's cool to think about. It's cool and there's little details like that. And I agree with you on that, but I think what AJ's referring to is when it's a lot more overt. So, like, in Force Awakens, when uh, uh, Finn, like, turns on the, the chessboard or, like, in yeah. Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> when Chewie finally gets the medal. Like, things like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? <sighs> Chewie finally getting the medal... Because it's not just any medal. That's Han's medal. Like, that to me was emotional. Like, mm-hmm. that's what Leia went to that medal. That was the last thing she had of Han. She grabs that to think of her son, to think of Han, to bring her son back. And then Chewie finally getting... Because it's not so much Chewie finally getting a medal. Because he did get a medal at, at Yavin. That's a whole other, you know, having in canon, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in, it's that was Han's medal. Like, that is so emotional to me. Especially when Chewie finds out that Leia's dead. And he just collapses and just cries. Mm-hmm. Like that got me. Like he's known her for so long. This is this is true. Like th- now all of his friends are dead. Like that that yeah. hits me. Like all of his original friends are gone. Dead. Yeah. That hurts. Like he's the last one and he gets this medal. Like this is all he has left of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that like oof. Like to me, that's not so much fan service as that's just what he that's what Chewie would want. All of his friends are gone. Like, he needs something to remember them by. Sure. I actually like the scene where Chewie got the medal, but for me, it felt like J.J. Abrams just put it so that fans are happy. That's what I felt like. I uh, guess, but it's just, it's Han's medal. Like, yeah. that medal means something to, it meant something to Leia, and it certainly means something to Chewie. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I'm curious to know, do uh, you um, like, foreshadow Leia being, a, being trained as a Jedi in the books? Yes, but also I think Leia having force powers has been no a thing not, not about for having force power about being trained as a Jedi like Luke trains and trains him, trains her as a Jedi yes Which, yes but uh, I think I think that's set up in the original trilogy yeah. for having force powers and like Leia was Luke's first student like mm-hmm. that that to me just makes sense like she uses she uses the force in like people when people had a problem with Leia using the force in um, the Last Jedi, I, I, was, mean, I was so confused by it because she's always had the Force. I mean, she's freaking, she's the daughter of Darth Vader. She yeah. has these powers, and she but uses. She doesn't them. know how to use them. That's a difference. She doesn't so. know how to use it, but it's just like Finn. Like where Leia is in Episode Five, in mm. the, like earlier parts of Six, is where Finn is in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like she, no, but like giving context that Leia was trained as a trained by Luke as a Jedi earlier, gives sense to that scene where she uses the Force to get back to the ship. Yes, but I think in terms of the Rise of Skywalker, I feel like it's pretty well handled that he goes, I was training Leia. Yeah. She stopped her training. Yeah, that was choking in Rise of Skywalker. It wasn't foreshadowed in Last Jedi. It wasn't so much foreshadowing for me. This is, this is a pretty specific argument. I just think Leia's always had Force powers. Uh, there's a difference between having Force power and knowing how to use them. But she, she's a Skywalker, man. Like, she yeah. is this... I, we, this place closes in 50 minutes, so I think we should try to okay. get a wrap-up. So, your number three again was... Well, one was <laughs> one. Number two was... Uh, New Hope. New Hope. And number one was Empire. Okay. So, I guess we'll get into Empire, and then we'll talk yeah. about Last Jedi, and then we'll... I have... My, my uh, top four are New Hope, 
then three is Return of the Jedi, then two is Empire, and then one is uh, The Last Jedi. Yeah, we share our top two. So, yeah, Empire is just... It's darker, it's grittier, mm-hmm. it feels more real, there's more weight to it. The special effects are, I think, they're superior mm-hmm. to, uh, to the original. Mm-hmm. I think they, they hold up... Honestly, they hold up the most out of the original three. There's still mm-hmm. parts in uh, episode six where you can see you know things that have been put in on a green screen or especially the Death Star the Death Star 2 a lot, there's a lot of times where you can see the cutout <laughs> I, I can't unsee it now but um like Empire Strikes Back it's just I mean it's, it's been it's been said so many times it's just the best yeah. it's so it's so good for me Empire Strikes Back is like a near perfect movie so like I, to be honest no movie is perfect I get that but it's all it's perfect for me uh, it does everything right it does Han and Leia love story the best one I've seen in Star Wars um, it does uh, Luke's journey uh, the best going to Dagobah and like knowing <laughs> instead of, is great yeah instead of Luke as not being the ideal person he knows he has some he knows he cares about people he has connections he's not a Jedi quote unquote he's not free from the uh, materialistic things he has, still has friends and he has to save them and he stops the training and goes to save his friends and then the big reveal of um, Darth Vader being Luke's father. That's the most well done thing I've ever seen. Uh, one more thing I would like to add about is the ending. It's so, like, the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, it ended now? That's it? Because it lives at a, it, it ends at a cliffhanger for us. And um, I wrote an essay about it for my English class, so just going to brief it to say in brief. Uh, it says a lot about the John Williams. He uses different themes in the ending to showcase different characters on the screen. So when you see Leia, you can hear Leia and Han's team showing that uh, that says about Leia losing Han. And you see Darth Vader's, Darth Vader's team is now slowed down. Even though he has won the battle, he has kind of lost to not convert Luke into the dark side. And, uh, and there are different themes. And when it ended, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. But you're talking about the themes of, like, Luke is a Jedi. I think that's something that the sequel trilogy picks up on. Mm. The best. The themes of what it, what it means to be a Jedi and the way Rey is a Jedi and the way Luke is a Jedi is so different than what the Jedi were presented as in the prequels when mm. they were, quote-unquote, at the height of their power. Mm. But they may have been at the height of their power, but they weren't. Like, the, especially the Rise of Skywalker, Rey is... Like, the Jedi finally are... They're, they're at peace, you know, they're with her, like, when all of the Jedi, that scene where all the Jedi are getting her to rise up, and you hear the voices of animated characters and prequel characters mm. alike, and that that's just so powerful to me, that the Jedi have finally realized, because Luke was the first step of, maybe maybe this isn't the way to go about it, like, we can be good without having to be this way, Perfect, yeah. and Rey, I think, perfectly embodies the evolution of what Luke was trying to do. True. So I think that themes of of Luke on Dagobah really carry through to Rey on Octo and then Rey in the Rise of Skywalker. So I I, I like those themes because mm. it, it is right. It's kind of just perfect. Like it's <laughs> uh, it's it's darker. I think like it's shot really beautifully. I love that. Um, I love the fight on Hoth. It's like iconic. Um, I would watch it over and over again as a kid. Yeah. Just, play it over because it's so good and it's just 15 minutes long 15 or 20 minutes it's not long 
Yeah, it's it, great. It feel, uh, I mean, it, uh, it feels so sh- uh, long, but it's only 50 minutes. You can't, I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, just when he's training on Dagobah and then he uh, sees Darth Vader and cuts that head off and then it's him. him. It's him. him, yeah. I think that's something so, more, so much more symbolic than uh, it needed to be. But that right there is the same sort of theme of Rey being a Palpatine. Like, you do come from this dark place, but you can be something else. And that's what Luke does, and that's what Ray does, and that's, that's, like, that's the poetry that George Lucas talks about that I think resonates so much with me. That it is, these movies have a, a continual message all the way through. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the same themes, seeing it again doesn't make the message any... It doesn't lessen the message for me. It just makes it more powerful, especially... Now that I don't think we ever will get another episodic film, we will definitely get more Star Wars movies. I mm. don't think we'll ever get. I think the Skywalker saga is done. I think, I think that's done. Not that the, we won't be back in that world, back during that time period, mm-hmm. but in terms of the themes of those movies, I just think it's perfection the way the beats go up and down and up mm-hmm. in this, this saga over forty years. Because that scene right there in that Dagobah cave resonates the same way for me when Ray discovers that she's a Palpatine and she can, and she has to deal with that herself. Sure. I mean, that's that's a great point. I just think that it's... Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I can't really rebut that. I mean, that, that it's... I, I would say it's a lot more overt and way more cheesy the way that they present it in... I mean, is it more overt? It's literally Luke's head in Darth Vader's mm. mask. No, but they literally... I, I don't know. Like, I don't it know. is clear, like, this is Luke, and he goes, he is his father. He literally tells him. Mm. Like, it, it is Luke in Darth Vader's armor. That is what he sees. Like, yeah, no, I it is, it. It just. I think, I think it's just as overt. Like, But it's about being the best person you can be, and it, you don't have to follow these... You know these dogmatic rules. It's, you just have to. You have to be good, mm-hmm. and that's that's what it's. You know, that's the theme that I think carries all the way through. But Empire, you may not like Rise of Skywalker, but Empire, we don't agree. Definitely has that theme, and I think it's super good because he mm-hmm. aspired to be like his father. He aspired to be, you know, his his, his father mm-hmm. was a great Jedi, but if his father is Darth Vader, what is he aspiring to? Mm-hmm. Are the Jedi that great? What is what is he doing? And like that 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 crisis of con that crisis of character is super good and I, but I think it's the same one that's going on with Rey Rey is no one she aspires to be like her parents but her parents her parents weren't really anybody her parents are dead and her grandfather is this awful guy who tried <laughs> to destroy the galaxy like what are you going to do with that you don't want to aspire to be that what can you what, what can you do but you have to go your own way and I think that was a lot of the message of The Last Jedi and I think that's part of the Rise of Skywalker and I think that's the message of all of these movies like it may be the Skywalker saga and this family really messed up the galaxy, but it's about making the right choices no matter how far gone you are or where you come from. I think that stays all the way through, no matter what the bloodline is. I think that's that's the point. Yeah, I guess I really need to see Rise of Skywalker <laughs> again. Wow. Um. I, I mean, it's part of what Star Wars is. It's just coming to understand what, these, what the messages are, what the themes are, mm. I think is... It's a part of what George Lucas was going for. Like, these movies are for children, quote-unquote. Like, they're for children, but a good children's movie can be enjoyed by adults, too, and especially children who grew up with them. And it's about growing and understanding what these movies mean to you. So if they mean something different, mm-hmm. if, like, people, of course, people, there are a lot of people who really don't like Star Wars. That's fine. 
but it's just really unfortunate to me because I feel like there is something in every movie for everybody, no matter what. And that's the beauty of these movies is that they are just so universal in their messaging and their themes that even if you hate the movie now, at some point in your life, I think there is something you'll be able to take away from it in a bit that is positive. Mm. I, I guess I, I would get that, but looking from a story, just by a storytelling story perspective, original, uh, or the OG trilogy does a better job than the sequels, in my opinion. Sure, but at this point, I have to look at it as just one big thing. Because obviously the, the original's 40 years ago now, mm. and they came out in a vacuum. There weren't really, there were novels, there were comics. But it was really just those movies, and they came out three years apart, and that's what people talked about. But now it's this whole big thing, so for me, I can only really see it as one big thing. But that's just me. Mm. So that was number two. So Yeah, um, so we pretty much had it, because it is your number one, is Empire yeah. Strikes Back, and it's our number two, so I guess the only thing we need to talk about is, um, well, we've already covered it a little bit. Mm is The Last Jedi, which is, like, both of our favorites. Yep. It has... Just Luke Skywalker for me. I talked about this before. It really made me love Luke Skywalker and understand. Hmm. It made me realize why I love Star Wars. This was the movie that I, I talk about the, the themes of the whole trail, or of the whole saga. I talk about it in such an authoritative way. But this was the movie that made me see that they were there. Because hmm. previously, I felt like they were pretty disconnected, and they were movies I liked... But this movie really just tied the whole thing together for me, thematically. Mm-hmm. Luke's journey in this movie, in his last stand on Crate, is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Just, just period in cinema. It is so beautiful and so powerful to me. His showing up, not actually there, but just mm-hmm. all of the weight to his appearance and confronting of Kylo Ren and what it means to all these characters and what it means just to be a hero, like the the analysis of heroes in this movie and putting them on a pedestal and what it does to a human being is just fascinating to me. There's just all of this analysis of Star Wars that comes out of this movie that made me think about the themes, that made me realize that these themes are there and that it is a through line. Mm-hmm. That's why I love this movie. It made me realize why I love Star Wars. Ryan Johnson so accurately pulls back the curtain of Star Wars and shows you this is what it is here you go I'm showing it to you in a different way but this in essence is what what these movies are about and I just I love that I mean I have some problems with with movies uh, with uh, with Last Jedi and that's that's probably the reason why I don't like it so much as the other ones I'm not the person who like hates it like it's the worst I mean I didn't I would say I enjoyed it but I didn't like it, that's my opinion. I mean, the thing about Luke, I guess you could say it's a good ending to Luke, but I believe they could have been better choices. I guess that's what, even Mark Hamill says, like, that's not Luke to me. So I'm surprised that you feel like that's the most Luke you would think you could be. I think I like to view this movie sort of in a vacuum, like, as its own thing, because mm. I... Uh, I could agree that as it, a movie standalone, it's it works well, but the through lines of what Star Wars is are there. They're at the forefront, and I love what this movie is saying about growth and about failure, 
and just about being your best person without the constrictions of something like a dog a dogmatic institution like the Jedi but also just like trying to revel in it I guess I don't know I'm, not, I'm a little nervous honestly because I you're like super well articulated about Star Wars and I love this movie for my own reasons I know there isn't a wrong Which reason to love it. Which is totally fine. There's no wrong or right reason to like or dislike any of these movies. And you're right. But, like, there's still... There's still always a part of me that's like, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm misinterpreting this or I, I'm viewing it in a way that's, like, incorrect. And there's, there's, I don't think that's ever... You always... Especially with movies. Mm-hmm. You and everyone is going to interpret it in their own way. I think I am sort of... You know, I, I am a fan of Star Wars. But I think, first and foremost, I'm a fan of, like, good great storytelling yeah. yeah and uh, there's something about this movie that though it is so Star Wars at its core is I view in a lane that's so separate from everything else in that series I don't really know why that is but I feel like the reasons I love it are not for the same reasons I love every other Star Wars movie Interesting. It's, it's mostly about meta it, almost like meta-ish ways of like how it deals with failure and character growth and how it's like imperfect and clunky a lot of the character interactions and character dynamics are and the ending you know sure it's like it's not that fitting of an arc for Finn but it is for Rose and I like that because that just seems so much more real Mm -hmm. and also, from a technical perspective, God, this movie is just fucking beautiful. Yeah, it is we? so good looking. I am like, I'm in awe every time I watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene with like Holdo's sacrifice and just everything—it's just hard to talk about this movie. Like, it, there's just, like, everything I love about it is here, but it's not like the John Williams score shines for me the most mm-hmm. of, of out of the sequels in this movie. Yeah, true. Um, people complain that Boba Fett is underused, but I I would say that Captain Phasma is more was more hyped than Boba Fett, and she was like uh, like like thrown away in Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean I think that has to do with a lot of the marketing of the Force Awakens. She was in a ton of it, and she wasn't really in the movie. I don't think that was Ryan Johnson's fault. J J Abrams really didn't use her that much. Um, no, like, I, it's it's hard for it's really hard for me to think about Phasma because Phasma, I keep I keep bringing up she has a really great novel. It's fun, it's funny to say, but she's a really interesting character and she is underused in the movies. But in terms of just movies, just like Snoke, she is a device for Finn and Finn overcoming Phasma. It's what Phasma represents to Finn is why she is important. And yeah. Finn's arc in the Last Jedi is completed with his fight with Phasma. Not mm-hmm. so much with his almost sacrifice with Rose. I think his arc is that's a good way to do it. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. But I guess they could have done a lot with Phasma. I, lo- I love that character. I did not care about Phasma. Yeah, I mean, in like it, it, it's it's similar with with Snoke. I was like, okay, she was kind of in the Force Awakens a little bit as a. I mean, they were hyping her a lot, to be honest. In promotional material. Yeah, like I said, that's a problem with yeah. the marketing. When you look at the actual movies, JJ really didn't use her that much. And I think Ryan used her the way she could do the most for Finn. Mm-hmm. She did the most for uh, a good cause, per se, or so to say. Mm-hmm. She, she was able to move Finn from being hesitant to being fully committed to the Resistance. Because previously, he just cares about Rey. That's, his, that's him in The Force Awakens. Yeah. That's him in The Beginning of Last Jedi. He doesn't care about this Resistance thing. He just cares about his friendship with Rey. But by the end of The Last Jedi... He is fully committed to the idea mm. of the resistance and what that means, and 
the, the power of friendship and the power of being good that comes with mm-hmm. his actions now. And defeating Phasma is the is the culmination of that. Yeah. At least I think. Um, and to go back on how I view this movie sort of separate from everything else, um, I think it's also because well, A, I think Luke's arc is perfection, um, but also this is the single most I've related to a Star Wars movie. Mm. Um, I can agree to that. And it's because of Luke's arc. Uh, it's the most human we've ever seen a Star Wars character. Like yeah. Star- This is fantasy with high, th- with high broad themes, but this is very personal and very relatable. This is the most human, yeah, like, the entire series. I get that, there. but I didn't like the loop during the beginning of the movie. Like, where's the grumpy old man who is ignoring Ray? I, mean, I didn't get the whole point of that. Well, I mean, we gotta remember that this movie is 30 years after we've seen him last. You know, a lot, A lot has happened in that time. Like, he did... Yeah, but there should be some justification for his character right now. Well, I think the justification was in the movie of he failed, he, he'd lost the Jedi again. Like, he failed yeah. Kylo Ren. It all fell apart. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be responsible for the rise of another Darth Vader. Mm, so but he, to be honest, the Luke uh, from, in my opinion, from the Luke in Orzo, he won't give up on, because just because he lost Kylo Ren, he would try to get him back. Well, it got to him. Like it, that. That's what's so human about it. He was put on this pedestal as the Jedi Master, the last Jedi. He was Luke Skywalker, this hero. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of that pressure and all that fear drove him to what we see. But then he comes back from that, and we see that in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. That, gosh, when he lifts, when he lifts uh, Red Five out of the water on Octo mm-hmm. with Luke with a Yoda's theme playing, just like Yoda did to him all those years ago. Like that is such a moment of closure for me, for Luke's character, like, Luke mm. has finally come all this way that now he is able to do that for someone and mm. he is complete in his belief of the Jedi. Like, he knows now what to do and he's able to help Rey along. Like, confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. I love that line. Like, confronting fear is what... There's a lot of what these movies are about, but confronting fear, that is... That is certainly a, a through line of all of these movies. That's for sure. 100 percent. Whether it's Luke, Anakin, Ray, whoever, it's all about confronting your problems yourself, confronting that fear. Mm-hmm. And Luke in Last Jedi confronts his fear at the end, comes back, becomes the hero, passes on to the Force, and then is able to be that mentor in the Rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker. So for me, it's not so much about where Luke starts in the Last Jedi, but where Luke ends. Mm-hmm. That that's Luke Skywalker to me, because. Yeah, if he doesn't stay grumpy, he doesn't stay an angry old man. He becomes Luke Skywalker again, just mm-hmm. like he was. Yeah, but true, but he's, he's no not one a person is, who, oh, he's, sorry to interrupt. He's not a person who gives up on stuff so easily. Yeah, but no, no one person is is holistically like altruistic. Like he's not always going to stay great, and like mm-hmm. he's he is he was afraid because it's like everything around him was crumbling, and it was all his fault. So like mm-hmm. he. He retreated, he was became jaded, he became fearful. I, I love the themes. I mean, it is like the very surface level themes, but it's so relatable and so human. Of So Kylo Ren has the whole philosophy mm-hmm. of uh, let, the past let, the, let the past die, kill it if you have to. But that is so against what the actual themes of the movies oh, are. The movie it's, are, yeah. Because it's, it's not about killing the past, it's about growing from the past. It's exactly, about becoming yeah. your best self and acknowledging where you were to become who you 
are meant to be. There's the, this amazing, yes. amazing, amazing quote. I, yeah, it always. Um, the, they are what we grow beyond. Oh yeah, I love so that good. quote so much, and that really encapsulates like how I feel. It makes me emotional thinking about Man, it. They, I feel like that line for me is what what's so good about the rise of Skywalker. Like that they are what we grow beyond. Like all of these characters growing beyond like this is the this is the final chapter like growing beyond this this is the end like i love but in, in the last jedi anyway yeah i i really when people say that the theme of the movie is letting the past die and that disney was trying to destroy the past and you know mm-hmm. disney wanted to get rid of the original trilogy but then brought palpatine back and it's hypocritical it's like no let the past die was not the message of the movie it's, it's the total opposite and i mm-hmm. i love that it's hidden in there. Like, yeah. you, if you just look at it on the surface, I mean, you, maybe you do think it's let the past die, but it's really, I don't know. You no, it literally is, like, the epic culmination of just, like, everything Star Wars is and was and letting it move forward. It's, like, mm-hmm. pa- it literally is, a, a, like, passing the torch yeah. from, I mean, Luke, from Luke to, to Rey. And I'm not, like, used to looking for messages in Star Wars movies. I just watched them for But that's what makes it so cool. Is that this is this is the most thematic? I mean, other than the prequels, if you really look into it, mm. but like this is the most thematically dense Star Wars movie, mm. and one of the most thematically dense like blockbusters I've oh, seen in absolutely. a long time. <laughs> it's and that's what makes it so, like because you don't see a movie like this with a three hundred million dollar budget take the risks that it does ever. Mm. Especially True. from Disney, this multinational corporation, giving all the reins to this one guy to write and direct it. Mm-hmm. I think that is so cool and so inspiring mm-hmm. by itself. And for it to have turned out the way it did, I think is I amazing. think it turned out great. Yeah, Amazing to see, in my opinion. I mean, I would feel like Ryan Johnson's way of making a movie that doesn't fit Star Wars. That's my opinion. Like, I saw, um, like, he was trying to create a lot of characters and try to make a character-driven story. But it's not how uh, the other stories work, so that's what that's why it didn't work for me, kind of. Yeah, it is. It is very different. It is very, very different in a lot of ways than what Star Wars has been. But it's also kind of paradoxical because it like also is what is Star, Star Wars, Wars is. is. I know that's why I love it so much. Yeah, and Ryan like, Johnson is able to put his spin on it, but he doesn't take away from Star yeah, Wars to me. I don't think it's somehow so paradoxical and imperfect, but also kind of perfect because it is the way it is yeah and it's it's like it doesn't really make a lot of sense to for me to articulate why it's so great other than the fact that it just is it just is that's how i kind of feel about the rise of skywalker too i feel very similarly about last jedi and rise of skywalker with force awakens i'm able to see what i don't like more but with rise of skywalker and last jedi what i like is just it just is like it's just it's just the way it is is what I like so much about it. Yeah, it's the way it completes what to me is Star Wars. Just feels so right. Yeah, but I do think that the Last Jedi is that's why it's number one and Rise of Skywalker is number five. It's a much better movie than the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, no, I think it's it's the character arcs are, are fantastic, um, thematically super super interesting. I love where it goes there. God, it's so fucking cool too. I love the throne room fight scene so much. Like I it just makes me feel like giddy watching that scene. It's like, oh my god, this is the coolest shit I've ever it makes me feel like a kid, which is like I didn't never watch any of these movies until I was like 14, 15. And for me to see this movie that is like so thematically dense, but also is like 
I would have fucking loved this when I was like six or seven. And that it, that is the such a cool cross section that I haven't seen in a movie since like like you rarely see that in a movie, and it's so exciting to see something like Parasite that does like the blockbuster thing, but also like the art house thing and combine yeah. them and do so well. True. And for that to get attention, you're like, it's, it's just, it's just cool. It's so cool to see. And it's a, it's a real shame. You haven't seen Mandalorian yet. Cause <laughs> I really do now after seeing the Mandalorian, think that the future of star Wars for the foreseeable future, at least, excuse me, uh, is in television. Cause it really lends itself. This, the themes of these movies, the themes of this world really do lend themselves to television, so I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see uh, where this franchise goes. I'm kind of on the fence on the throne room scene. I really like the way it looks, how the way it fits, the choreography is really good, the way it's set up is really good. But then I'm like, wait, why are they fighting? Like Snoke is dead. Like at the time, we don't know about the team. It's it's the one behind everything. What do you mean? Why are they fighting? Uh, the guards. Why are they fighting? Who are they fighting for? Well, they were trained to defend Snoke. I mean, he's dead true. now. So. Yeah, they gotta kill who killed yeah. him. Yeah, no, but I, doesn't that make make sense to me? Like, who? So he's dead now. Who are they protecting? Who are they protecting now? I mean, Kylo Ren was still yeah, he, alive after yeah. killing. Yeah. So the, why is he fighting leader. Kylo Ren now? Because well, he, well, I'm, I'm confused about what you mean. What? So after Snoke dies, Kylo Ren would be the second in command, right? I mean, they're not just gonna leave him. Like, like hey, you just killed the supreme leader. But, um, <laughs> he would be the okay. quote unquote second in command, but he also just betrayed the supreme leader who they've sworn their loyalty to. They're gonna attack him. That's their whole their whole purpose of existence is to defend the supreme leader. And that, I don't know. I, that, I think that's a. I'm not sure how to process that. They would. They wouldn't just leave him. They wouldn't just like okay, be on your merry way. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for killing our leader. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like it. It just. It just sort of. It felt really natural the way. Like they all like, spring into action. It's so. Well, it's just good. like it's such like a holy shit moment when Snoke dies, mm-hmm. and then you're like, ah oh, man, let's get into this. Like yeah, it just flows so well. Yeah, I mean, usually in the absence of power, it doesn't happen like that. Well, I don't. I don't know what you mean by that. I feel like it absolutely does. Like he claimed power. He killed everyone in the room. Then seized power. That's one of my favorite scenes in the Last Jedi. I have a lot of favorite scenes, but when uh, he's choking out Hux as the flames burn in the throne room, he says the supreme leader is dead. You know, long live the supreme leader. Like that's him claiming power. Like I feel like that is he's the most powerful one left. Mm-hmm. He has claimed himself as supreme leader. I love Kylo Ren in the, in the as supreme leader at the end of that movie when he's just like he's just rage. He's just when he screams at the Millennium Falcon. He's just like. I want every gun we have to fire on that man. He's just, he's just pure rage. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that is what would happen. Like, now that, that conversation Do after the fight. Do you think you fight, got it? Yeah. That, that conversation after the fight between uh, Ray and Kylo is so good. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just, he, he's staring at the throne. You know, it's time for him. He's like, for him, this is, this is my time. I can seize power now. This is what he will do. So right. I, I'm, I'm not sure what you're saying. I feel like he does seize power. Mm-hmm. That is what he does. Okay. No, no, seriously, we, 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 we aren't trying to bash you. Like, this is an <laughs> inclusive place. We all have the right opinion. I'm really sad that you don't like this movie, though, because like, <laughs> I get so much joy out of watching this movie. I mean, I just, it just didn't feel connected. I just didn't feel connected with it. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. I didn't feel connected with Rise of Skywalker, like, well, at all. I mean, like, you didn't get, you, like, you guys didn't like Rogue One. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, everyone has a different taste. Yep, that's true. Yeah, that is very true. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of times, Star Wars and other fandoms 
Like, bring out kind of the worst in people. Yes, you know? the Star Wars especially. Yeah. And the common adage is no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars I remember fans. like walking yeah. out of the trailer with my friends watching like the last year and there was like a split. Like there are three people hate him, three people like it. Yeah. yeah that's I, how it is. <laughs> but it is important for me to get across the point that yeah, well obviously you can feel however you want about these movies. Mm. But I think it's so hard to be objective with film, but I do think there is a thematic similarity, or a thematic, there is the presence of these themes through every single one. Like, you don't have to like it, but I do think that the torch is carried adequately through each movie. And you, you don't have to think so, but I, I do think it is, if you look for it, if you break it down, I think it's there. And I think the, it's one of my biggest problems with the, like, the fact that you, people think that, um, I'm forgetting the words here, that Rise of is written by Reddit. Like, it was sort of written by committee. I just, I think that movie, because right now it's the most recent one. It's the most fresh in my memory. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it, it picks up the threads of Last Jedi really well. I love The Last Jedi and I love The Rise of Skywalker. But, there, it, but it's, you're, not, you're not alone in the fact that you love The Last Jedi and you didn't like with the Rise of Skywalker. Like honestly, I think it's the biggest group of people who don't like the Rise of Skywalker. It's people who love the Last Jedi yeah. and have feel as if it did not pick up what they loved about I it. I think it's that the is also true that the people who didn't like Last Jedi like me kind of like felt more that the Rise of Skywalker was better because it it's a movie that I watched. Like that's that's how different Star Wars in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. With with a franchise of such a large fan base you're not going to be able to appease anyone yeah. like no. ever so um, yeah no, I, I, it depends on the definition of how, what you consider Star Wars what do you mean by that? I mean uh, the kind of movies that you relate to with Star Wars do you like the lightsaber fight do you like the story oh like, like what you yeah. take out of it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it was the, the themes and just everything out of Last Jedi that made me for me Star Wars was had a good story but didn't have a lot of drama. But uh, Last Jedi is more dramatic than the other movies. Yeah, it's it's certainly the least black and white. Mm. It, is, yeah. it is the most gray out of it. toes the line of being gray. But it does I think it does in the end, I come back to this, go back to that black and white nature. It it does define good, evil, and everyone can be good if they try hard enough. But for most of the movie, it does toe the line of, uh, maybe, but it comes back. Mm-hmm. It, I think it does come back yeah. to, the, to the classic Star Wars tropes and themes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I tend to take... I try to take everything out of these movies, for, for me at least, because mm-hmm. I, I love them so much. It is probably my... Like, when people ask what my favorite movie is, I don't even talk about Star Wars, because it is just... It's its own thing. Like, Star Wars, to me, is so much more than just movies and... Hmm. It's just it's just, it's whole it's, just it's a culture. Kind it's of a thing. culture. Yeah, it's like, I mean, the lessons are because I, I am not. I didn't grow up religious. I'm not a religious person. But these movies ha- undeniably have themes that, it like the morality tale here is what people seek in religion. Mm-hmm. You know, people go to religion because it provides them a balance and mm-hmm. order. That's what Star Wars is for me. Like it, it has these tales and it has these lessons and these morals. That for me, growing mm-hmm. up, that that is what I take away from it. So they're beyond just movies for me. They're like they're modern myth, like George Lucas says. Like that's what these are. Yeah, they are their own. They're just beyond 
cinema. So for me, I, I love them all, but that's just me. I I really enjoy Seven Elevens on my list. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of my like, I don't really care that much about. But I'm I'm really glad that that's what you get out of it. Yeah, and what a lot of people get out of the series. Mm. I'm more of an original trilogy fan. I mean, I like the original movie. Mm. I mean, yeah. uh, the prequels are good. I mean, I actually kind of for some reason I didn't care about the sequels. Yeah, I mean, it, some movies are just not gonna. You'll mm. sit well with you. That's totally fine. Everyone's gonna get out of it. these movies are made for everybody. I mean, they're made for children, I guess. But like, they're mm. I, I totally agree with you that anyone could take anything out of these movies. I think there's something so uh, malleable and tangible mm. out of the the themes, and everyone should see Star Wars. I, yeah. I don't think like it's it, it is a pop culture phenomenon for a reason. That it is. And if you haven't seen it, like watching it in order 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, and then 7, 8, 9. What is the ideal way to watch these movies? Yeah, original. And I guess you can do whatever you want after that. When I watched them all for uh, Rise of Skywalker before it came out, we watched them in chronological order. Hmm, makes mm-hmm. sense. But like, if you're starting new, then start with 4. Because you're going to ruin the the main theme of five if you're gonna watch one, two, three. I don't know if at this point there is any ruining of any of it just because it's, it's been out so it's long, long like, yeah. there's no, but I have a friend what you get from it is what you get from it there's no to try and you know dictate what you get by watching it in a certain order I think you just you watch them as you watch them I don't think there's any one, one right order to see these movies yeah. in if I ever had kids though I would want to show them four first, yeah. like four and then five, just like I don't know. I don't know if they would have known the twist at that point, but <laughs> I guess I think that would have been really cool to see. I guess like, we all three of us are like big movie fanatics, so we are, we keep up with movie. But there are people who don't. Like I recently, I had a friend who recently watched the movies, and he didn't know that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Like he, he didn't keep up with that. Really shocks. Yeah, that, he didn't keep up with pop culture. I mean, that's true. Uh, there's not like a single person. <laughs> I've never met someone that doesn't that yeah. didn't know. Yeah, that's that's insane to think about. But as time goes on, it's important. Like Star Wars has not stopped since 1977. No. Mm. So at all different points in people's life, like it's really interesting that you guys uh, got into it so late or later rather. Like Star Wars starts for different people at different times. Like there are there's a generation who Episode Seven was their first Star Wars movie, mm. and to a certain degree. I mean, it was my first live-action one, but, like, I still grew up with the prequels and watching the Clone Wars. Like, that was my first interaction with it. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, there are people who watch the original trilogy. There are people who grew up watching the prequels, and there, there will be a generation who is going to be on the Disney+. Plus. Like, it'll be the Mandalorian and whatever comes next, mm-hmm. the Kenobi series or whatever, that that will be their Star Wars. Or the movies that come in the future will be their Star Wars. Like, so... There's never any one right, right way to watch it. It's mm-hmm. whatever is coming at the mm-hmm. time. Because I don't think Star Wars is going anywhere anytime soon. Right. I 100% agree with that. Star Wars, guys. Yeah. Star Wars. It's happening. Yeah. I'm excited for Kenobi. He's my favorite character. I'm not so my favorite Jedi, but if you think <laughs> No, I was going to say something else, but you put it so eloquently. Like, Star Wars is just for everybody there's not one right way to consume it there's not one right message to take out of it that's it what's so special is. about it yeah that's what makes it so universal and so beloved and yeah I love them and, and uh, do I. yeah I think yeah 
We all do. And if you can agree, we all love Star Wars. Yeah. Yep, that's a, that's <laughs> a good... <laughs> that's a good cap-off Good cap-off. Point. Yeah. Um, so this concludes our nearly three-and-a-half-hour-long podcast <laughs> on the Star Wars saga. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, AJ and Levi, for being here. If you're listening to this podcast, you already know this, but you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And then if you want information about our club, you can go on UW Film Club. That's our Facebook page. And then you can go on our Instagram and Twitter at Film Club UW. And, yeah, any last words, guys? Thanks for listening, Mom. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to have a long one to get through with this one. Thank you guys for talking. It's always great to hear different opinions on Star Wars, especially in a time where especially movies these days can get really toxic in their conversation for sure yeah true that I agree with that people get there is people get up in arms about movies and people don't agree that people have different tastes they kind of take the fact oh you don't like that movie nah I I won't talk to you yeah so it's good that we can talk about Star Wars yeah I'm glad that this was relatively very civil (laughs) but yeah listeners we will catch you guys next week Hopefully you stick th- you stuck through this entire episode. I'm proud of you. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs>